Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. Today we're here to talk about Kevin's pick, Heavy Metal, which is an animated picture from the 80s mm-hmm. and uh, directed by Gerald Potterton. Yes. Some fucking nobody. And uh, yeah. we're also going to talk lots and lots of other things we watch. And we're going to talk, hey, for the first time in weeks, some trailers. Yeah. New trailers dropping, big trailers from big directors, A-listers, Oscar nominees, Oscar winners. It's Buckley's case. And uh, <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it is summer. It's officially uh, the school year <laughs> is over. And uh, for it's a weird time because Jr. and I are uh, done working, even though we haven't. I mean, I haven't really been doing anything. But <laughs> we're, we're we're done working, and Kevin, who works at the library, is having to go back to work now. <laughs> yep, sucker. It's a reversal. That's <laughs> <laughs> too bad. Too bad, Kevin. How's work going? Have you you've been back, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, worked uh, all week. Oh, brutal. Yes, from Saturday until yesterday. No patrons, though. No patrons. Well, we're starting to do curbside service, which means, you know, we ha- will have to have some limited interaction with them. Right. But, but you, don't have to, you don't have, like, a steady flow where you're yeah, checking yeah, people yeah. out. And right, right, right. Help people on computers and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, and construction is wrapping up on the library, which is oh, good. Nice. So, had they been working during the shutdown? Yeah, they had. Um, yeah, there was really not that much left for them to do, and apparently, now that we were out of the building for two months, they were able to just, you know, this is zip a, along. a a renovation, not not due to the uh, flooding, right? We were scheduled for renovation before the flood happened, but the flood just kind of sped us along because I, I think see. originally they were just going to devote all their resources to the River Center. Which is also close to being opened back up, but apparently they're having furniture when, problems. Uh, when did you, your library flood? 2016. Oh, okay. They ripped all the carpet out and they had no carpet in it for a Sorry. long time. Yeah, yeah. I was... What a goof. I thought there was like a recent flood. You remember that like uh, well, once in a century flood that we had a couple of years ago there, JR? <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> well, there have been a, cu- a couple of significant enough flooding events since then that uh no yeah like that whole area is low though super low like Greenville springs road yeah yeah super low people people ain't meant to live there that's right mm. it's god telling them to get out that's right okay well uh let's uh jump right into these trailers and uh i suppose uh i mean defy bloods trailer dropped first so mm. let's talk defy bloods this is the new film from spike lee his follow-up to the Oscar-winning Black Klansman, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about Vietnam or some guys who were in Vietnam returning to Vietnam to, among other things, I guess they're looking for a gold stash that they hid there, so there's yeah. a little bit of a Kelly's Heroes, Three Kings kind of thing going on, which mm. I really dig a lot, Yeah, and uh, I don't know, what do you guys think of the trailer? Time. Well, <laughs> time, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, fir- the first thing I thought when I was watching it like some of the graphics and you know music are very here's the thing they're not they're not tarantino but because tarantino has used so much of that stuff in his trailers and in in his movies it's now in my mind as tarantino the way any yeah you know the way anything like remotely like dark and kind of sinister like people will say oh that's 
somebody's ripping off David Lynch, and it's like, well, they're not really ripping off David sure. Lynch. It's just you know dark and happens to be in a club or mm-hmm. something. So that was, you know, I don't I, know. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I mean, I, could, I guess I could see that connection a little bit with mm. the music choice, maybe. Yeah, but it's also you know the time period is so in Tarantino's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. so it makes perfect sense. But yeah, like the first thing I thought was like. Wow, this is very Tarantino for a guy who kind of lives to blast Tarantino and say how horribly and racist he is. Well, he. Uh, but then I had you know, then I had that thought that I just expressed about it not really being Tarantino. I mean, it feels like it feels more. I mean, when I saw it the first, I just thought like Spike. Uh, the first thing I thought was it's great to see that Spike Lee. Um, you know, a lot of times you like he's such a volatile filmmaker, controversial and. Uh, mm. I was I was a little worried when he won his Oscar that because Klansman even is like I mean Klansman's a controversial picture too but like I was a little worried that he would kind of head in the direction of like Inside Man again things like that you know like become mm-hmm. like more of a commercial director because mm-hmm. of, he's got this cachet now but uh, he seems like he's you know I don't know going going for broke a little bit and uh, he's got I mean it's a it's still it still looks like a thriller and entertaining picture and an yeah. action movie sort of uh, at points but mm. you know it's got all the it's got all the stock footage and stuff of the civil rights stuff and Nixon yeah. and the the intro with Hanoi Hannah talking to the black troops and all that stuff so I mean yeah which that was another thing that really kind of put me in mind of Tarantino like someone someone sitting in a room saying very seemingly important dialogue hmm. almost to the audience. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it gets, you know, it's like, I yeah, was curious. Sorry. Oh, it's, okay. it's like, she's talking directly to the troops, but it's also, it's like, she's addressing us as the audience. And, sure. you know, seems very rhetorical. I was curious, um, if you guys thought all of that stock footage stuff will actually be in the movie. Cause I was wondering if that was, just a thing to have in the trailer with the song to give a definite uh, sense of time and place. Yeah, mm. I, I was thinking. I wasn't sure if that would actually be there. Yeah, I was. I could. I could see the stock footage being there. I don't see the when they started adding the footage of the singer of the song. I was like, well, this right. probably isn't going to be in the actual film. That part of it, and yeah. like the psychedelic visuals and stuff like that, like the tie dye, you know. But uh, I could see him using stock footage. I Me mean, has before. Mm. And I mean, he's got that. I mean, I don't know. It just struck me as like a very. It's like incredibly, you know, frenetic, and that just seems like the kind of uh, stuff he's done before. So I mean, it, it doesn't seem like anything out of his wheelhouse to me. And yeah, like, I'm excited what, about um, it. What happened the last time uh, Spike Lee went to war? A miracle at Saint Anna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like not, thought, a, not a beloved movie. Well, <laughs> you know, I I, re- I remember. <laughs> I remember seeing like I remember seeing something on the internet of or somewhere about him blasting Clint Eastwood for making uh, Flags of Our Fathers or producing Flags of Our Fathers and all the kind of movies that went along with that, like the one with Iwo Jackie Sands Chan. Of Ima, yeah. Iwo Jima. yeah, I remember him like blasting Clint Eastwood for that, and then like not long after Miracle at Saint Anna comes out and Nick gets critically panned. It's like, dude, like you know maybe like just. Just make your own movies and don't try to live on blasting other directors. I mean, I don't for, know that that's how he gets by on blast. He just has opinions and he's a very loud personality. I mean, yeah, yeah. and I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't entirely disagree don't with his stance on Tarantino. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I think don't. it's kind of weird to have a 
an opinion on it as a white person, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like as a, you know, if you're like, I can see him as being black and feeling like, wow, there's, here's this guy who's appropriated our, our language and our, and our, our culture and especially the, the, the N word itself, you know, and is using it in his films mm. and it's, yeah. it's got no, in, in Tarantino films, it's got no racial power really whatsoever. You know, it's just like characters using it kind mm. of willy nilly. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of the issue that he has. But I mean, you know, like he said, I mean, I think this, his direct quote was something like, uh, you know, my slavery was not, was a Holocaust and it wasn't, it wasn't a spaghetti Western and, oh, yeah, you know, not yeah, to yeah. make light of it kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still, I, I mean, I kind of like Django. So I, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard, hard, you're between a rock and a hard place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you can't, uh, you know, whatever. People have their own, people have their opinions. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't like Spike, but uh, I think he makes good movies. I'm going to talk about one today, in fact. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, sure. uh, let's jump into uh, a less controversial topic for <laughs> you two. More controversial for me because I hate Nolan, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chris Nolan's new film, Tenet, has a, a new trailer, mm. longer trailer, mm. shows more stuff. I don't know that it reveals anything new. Yeah. Well, like, it, just, I mean, it, ahead, it, it had plenty of uh, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we now know the movie is, uh, you know, definitely about some sort of time travel thing. Mm. But uh, other than that, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. And I did notice Elizabeth Debicki, who mm. appears quite a bit in the trailer, never has a line. She's the, the third build person. So why is she there? Who knows? Who is Elizabeth Debicki? Yeah, the blonde from Widows. From Widows, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And what else was she in that was notable? I mean, you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, so I can't Nor will I, Kevin, nor will I. I know. (laughs) That's why why I was trying to think of something else. Uh, It's all good. I know who she is from Widows. Widows. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, she was in The Night Manager. Oh, I didn't see that either. I would watch that, though. It's all right. Hiddleston, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I like him. Yeah. Hugh Laurie give and this Olivia movie. Coleman are better, in my opinion. Yes, JR. I'm going to give this movie a three out of five. Uh, Already, it's got no. Yeah, I mean, I can just tell it's uh, <laughs> it's going to take itself very seriously. It's going to be very long, and uh, even though it takes itself very seriously, it's probably going to be very dumb and have some cool sequences. So uh, this uh, looks like mm, exception, Inception, not exception. It does, it does look like Inception. I agree. So uh, yeah, three three out of five all the way. Did you give Inception mm. a three out of five? Is that where this is coming from? Yes. Okay. I mean, it even has the same kind of. I think this the font is the same on the poster as Inception. Kind of a weird choice. Yeah. Um, the movie made a lot of money. Yeah. Mm. The movie does not seem to have a runtime yet. <laughs> I bet even that That's is being bad. kept secret. Well, the um, the the Five Bloods is I think two thirty five, so it's really long. Mm. But then you know it's on Netflix, so oh, it's oh okay, straight to Netflix. Not a chore to uh, get a hold of it, right? And apparently, if you if I'm to DB is to be believed, Tenet was shot entirely on sixty five millimeter. Hmm. Wow. I don't know how they know that since, like, apparently nobody in the movie got to read the entire script. Well, the script isn't about what film it was shot on. Well, Uh, the fact fact that they're going to that level 
of well, I don't think of, there's of secrecy. He's never held that, and in, in, he's always uh, you know yeah, you're, you're kind of right, said right. like you know he's he, I think they hold that as like a badge of honor. A lot of these directors, right, especially right, him, right. he's a, so film centric. Yeah, I was gonna say too about Defy Bloods. It's shot on film as well, but it's shot on. Because uh, I, I was when I saw the scenes in Nam, I was like, it looks like sixteen, and it is. It's shot on Super sixteen, and then the modern day stuff on thirty five. So mm. I'm excited about. Um, his uh, his use of film, especially on a Netflix movie, which is unusual. Right. And these are potentially going to be your two favorite movies of the year. No, they will not be. Tenet, they'll, Tenet, they'll also have. No, Tenet's going to be his worst movie. Of the I don't year. know about that. I don't. I'm not excited at all to yeah, see Tenet, no, but it it uh it just does not. This trailer does nothing for me. N- nobody who's in it does anything for me, even though Arpats is in it. I don't. I don't understand what he's doing. I, like I don't. I don't get the character. I mean, obviously, when you see it, you know, things will be illuminated more. But yeah, it's just kind of like. Uh, it looks really like a generic sci-fi action movie, like Inception, mm. and uh, but without the cachet of gigantic movie stars, you know. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't. Did end you up... miss Michael Caine? <laughs> Michael Caine, <laughs> <laughs> the four-second cameo that he's going to have in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like eighty-nine years old. Right. He's got like yeah. That's that's where I heard about like you know the pages being like redacted and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, Michael Caine showed up, you know, like, did a scene, didn't have any other lines except his own, and just... I could see that. Did his did his job and went home. I just, uh, but, yeah. But speaking of cast, I forgot to say, like, Delroy Lindo, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and Clark Peters being into Five Bloods, I'm here for that. Where is Keith David, though? Am I right? He seems to be missing. Yeah. Just, like, he should be in this movie. Where? Yeah, I mean... He's someone who's like... He's like old black men. I mean, he's one of the guys. And, yeah. and also, I mean, it, I, I think Sam Jackson would be out of place among them because he's so much bigger than they are. But, yeah, you know, he's their age, too. So Yeah, I mean... Maybe he doesn't like to be seen as that age, though. Yeah, maybe he'll have like a cameo or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He might be the radio guy on the, other, on the American yeah. side, a la Do the Right Thing. Right. All right. Well, uh, that's our trailer discussion. Uh, those trailers are available at filmyac.podient.co on our blog, mm-hmm. along with my uh, quippy commentary. Check them out. I try to write a sentence for each one about how disappointed I am. <laughs> what, what'd you write for Defy Bloods? Just like most anticipated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's my most anticipated film of the year right now. But then I don't think, I mean, what else is going to come out this year, right? They said the Oscars, they're talking about canceling the Oscars, which I think is the right thing to do. I got I to gotta feel like they're going to do something They might Oscar-related. Do like, something, but they're not going to give out awards. There's not, not going to be anything to give awards to. Invisible Man? Best Picture? T- Tenet, <laughs> Invisible Man, and Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Let's, There's three nominees for every category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's get into what we watched. Who wants to begin on this uh, beautiful Friday afternoon? Is it pretty there? It's, Good for you it looks, looks really hot, actually, outside. But yeah, that's, you know, the sun's shining. Hot as fuck. Should I should I start then? Nobody yeah. else is going to start. Yeah. Okay, you, you um, started in a while. Well, That's I don't what know. We said with our silence. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm assuming that you have nothing to say about this, Jr. But I I uh, resubscribed to Mubi 
And uh, I, I regret having ever let my subscription lapse. And the first thing I did was uh, the Glazer short it was what brought me back. I had to see it. So I watched yeah. The Fall, which is Jonathan Glazer's new short film, very short film. Um, Jer, you watched this. Do you have thoughts about this, or is it too short to even care about? Yeah, I had, I had a hard time um, seeing it as anything other than like a, a dark kind of weird uh social justice metaphor Mm -hmm. as in you know someone is attacked and lynched uh, literally lynched and that's it that's all that happens in the movie well he does escape the lynching though sort of in a way yeah (laughs) i mean he he has an impossible uh road to hoe right that's what we're left with. I guess I see it as like a uh, almost like a proof of concept or something. Like he shot it to show what he's, you know, like he had like almost like he had some cool ideas, but he didn't know how to flesh them out into anything. So he just decided, oh, I'll just make this seven minute thing and mm. put it on movie, generate a little income in between my twelve year hiatus. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but I mean, I I thought it looked very nice. I like the imagery. It was very dark and disturbing. The masks. I like, yeah. I like the Micah Levi. Oh, yeah. I mean, score. Sh- I don't know she's always got uh, amazing music work, and this was no different. Very yeah. uh, terrifying. <laughs> and uh, I really like, in particular, the shot where he's in the tree and they're shaking the tree, and it's like shooting upward from the base of the tree. Really cool shot. But yeah, I just uh, I'm just ready for another feature, man. Like, get off your ass, Glazer, for real. Yeah, does he like give interviews about why he works so rarely? I don't. I want to say that I so I read something when um, Under the Skin came out, and he had talked about uh, birth being a disappointment uh, commercially, I suppose like more so than sexy beast, obviously. And, uh, it being difficult yeah. for him to find financing and things like this. And, and that also that he had this, I think that's why he went in the direction that he went with under the skin where he's using non-actors essentially. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson, but also non-actors mostly. And, uh, what shooting a, what an insult to her. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's terrific in every way. Uh, <laughs> you would, you would think that would have bumped up his, uh, his clout again, since that was, you, you know, it's not like financially massive or anything, but it was critically cheaply yeah. produced, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. It was highly, highly seen. Yeah. Maybe he's just a, he seems like a perfectionist for sure. I mean, he seems like somebody who's got a very clear vision of what he wants to get done. And maybe he just, you know, he doesn't want to compromise and until he gets exactly what he, like, it's like Lynch when Lynch was doing, he was in talks, he'd signed on to do Twin Peaks The Return at Showtime, and then Showtime said, you know what, we can't afford your budgets for every episode. Mm. And he said, well, that's fine, I'll walk away right now, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and they caved, and they gave him whatever he wanted. It's <laughs> like, that's, it seems like, you know, like that, it's like Lynch would have easily, he, he doesn't care, like he doesn't need to do Twin Peaks The Return, he'll just, yeah. you know, go back to painting and smoking two packs a day. But, uh, I'm glad he didn't. But anyways, yeah, so that's the uh, that's the fall. Uh, if you have movie, check it out. If you don't, it'll probably be on his uh, his Vimeo at some point or something. I don't know. It's very short, like I say. And uh, that's my first movie. Mm. JR? I watched... Um, I, got, I got a fair amount of animation like at the same time. 
I got my heavy metal DVD and this movie came in from Netflix at the same time. Netflix DVD. Oh, got to represent. Quickster, um, you mean? Sorry? Quickster? Is that what they're calling it now? No, they they had changed. That was like a big deal. Like 10 years ago, they changed the name oh. to Quickster and they changed it back real quick because everybody freaked out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't remember that. It's a bad joke. Go ahead. Um, I watched uh, Cedar Sings the Blues, which is a. Like this little uh, animation project that came out in 2008. And it is. The telling of this uh, like epic ancient Indian story, the Ramayana, through animation, along with uh, the story of this director's breakup, they are kind of interposed and related, and also featuring uh, singing characters uh, singing some jazz songs, and that all uh, that all goes together much much better than that synopsis, but um, it's it's a really cool movie to look at. There are three distinct animation styles like for the telling of the the epic there are these three shadow puppets basically doing like a banter conversation style uh narration against what looks like a very like classic um indian look and i don't you know know enough about india to know like what era this comes from but like all the characters are in profile with muted colors i think uh if you looked at it you would know what i mean uh and then the parts about this uh, woman's breakup are in like squiggle vision, like home movies animation, like from, uh, <laughs> you know, Adult Swim. Yeah. And then uh, for like these big emotional moments, the main character, Sita from the epic, like she, uh, the narrative basically pauses and she sings these songs from these uh, jazz, jazz standards, I guess. And uh, it's like a very, like geometric digital animation it's a uh, it's almost like it's like goofy goofy and simple sort of like a a digital betty boop digital geometric betty boop wow you know what's bizarre uh, is uh i'm just i was googling it to see if i could see examples of what you're talking about on the wikipedia page for this film the entire film is embedded in a video you can just watch it on the wikipedia page <laughs> wow yeah it's pretty nice yeah there were there were some like rights issues and she ended up having to like basically release it for free. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Not make any money from it. Uh, yeah. And she made this all by herself, which, uh, I think took a lot of time, Mm. but I don't know. It's a, it was a great, it was a great watch. It's uh, just super short, just visually inventive. It's very like energetic the whole time. It's really funny. The, uh, those shadow puppets that are doing like the, it sounds like an unscripted banter, interrupting each other debating plot points about the story it's it's just great four out of five cool mm. sounds really good kev so i rewatched road to perdition oh yep paul newman is just fucking great isn't he yeah he's really terrific he's, he's the best it's his final uh, live action film oh it's live action he did a the voice cars. of uh, cars yeah. oh right 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 i've never actually seen cars so I guess I, okay. I guess I need to. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I like this. I like this movie. Um, I'm not crazy about Daniel Craig's American accent. That uh, was a little distracting, and I I felt like it could have been. I don't know. Maybe it's just the nature of the story itself, but like it felt like just took a long time to like really get where it was going and a long you know a long time to like 
solve what it was going to do once it was going there. And mm. yeah, it, it just. Have you seen you seen this before? I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm. I watched it again because I was surprised that I hadn't logged it because I thought that I had Letterbox by that point, but I guess yeah. I didn't. Um, and also, like, the copy that I had gotten from the library, like, it skipped in a, a few places. So I, this time I just watched it on Netflix. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I How do you like, feel about Jude Law in it? I think he's actually pretty good. Like, I think um, some of the... Some of the scenes maybe could have been written better, and like, especially that scene in the diner. Like, I think he's like really just overacting, okay, and kind of chewing the scenery a little bit. I love, but, the, I love the diner scene. So uh, I love when when the waitress makes a joke and he says, "You got to be on the stage." <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's so creepy and weird in the yeah it's, yeah he's good yeah. And I really like Tom Hanks in this. Like he's uh, you know, I think people, you know will kind of blow smoke up his ass for being, you know, super nice and et cetera, et cetera. And they're probably, you know, there's some, probably some movies that were, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't as great or the movies weren't that great. But in this, I thought he was really good. He's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of a misconception due to the marketing of the film where they, mm. they tried to market it as the Tom Hanks plays a bad guy. Yeah, for and sure. I mean, he's definitely not a bad guy in this movie. I mean, he's a he's a criminal, I suppose. But like, yeah, yeah, his yeah. character is not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, is it like uh, or like not I, portrayed that way anyway. Yeah, because like, you know, this is kind of it, this is going to sound weird, but follow me on this. It's kind of like the other side of the spectrum as far for like uh, like Forrest Gump. Like he was, he said, you know, this is a very simple man who just kind of does what he's told. Yeah, you know. And his and Mike Sullivan is pretty much the same, only he's asked to kill people. Sure. And, you know, he's, you know, loyal, loyal to a fault. though. Exactly. Yeah. And same same with Forrest Gump. Oh, I say I say he's loyal to a fault, but then he he does kill his boss. <laughs> but uh, I guess, you know, he was betrayed. So, yeah, well, I mean, they you know, they did kill his wife and child. Yeah, so, right, right, right. Yeah. That's a great scene too when they don't show his reaction and you just hear him upstairs. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, just it just shows uh, the kids' reaction. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, yeah. I haven't seen this in a long time, but this is um, that? far and away my favorite uh, Sam Mendes film. I would have to agree. I don't think there's anything close to being yeah, this cause, good. Cause, yeah, Skyfall and um, Spectre. I mean, they're okay. I wasn't a fan they, of either, but I really well, hated Spectre. I hated Spectre with every fiber of my being when I first saw it in the theater because I thought it was just trash from beginning to end. And it is. You're right. <laughs> Trust the gut. <laughs> I, I watched it again not that long ago, and it's it's not it's not bad, but it's not it's not very good. The either. only good part about it is Leia Sedu being in it. She is a glory to behold, but everything else is garbage. <laughs> Did you guys see Revolutionary Road? I did see Revolutionary Road. Yeah. I don't mind that. I, oh, I, yeah, I didn't I, love it, though. I saw it like a million years ago, and I've been meaning to watch it again. Oh, I, you know what? What's funny about that is I remember seeing it and being like, oh, that's Michael Shannon. Because I was already a fan of his from Bug. Oh. <laughs> which had come out like two or three years earlier. And I was like, oh, it's Michael Shannon. This is awesome. Like, he's in this big movie. And then he gets nominated for the Oscar. And I was like, holy shit, Michael Shannon's going to blow up, you know? And then. 
I don't know. It's sort it sort of happened, I guess. I don't know. He didn't he didn't he didn't blow up blow up though. I think it happened more for him after he was the villain in the Superman movie, which I guess he got because of those things, but Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you know. probably probably Boardwalk Empire kind of put him on the map, but he yeah. probably didn't go anywhere. He right? wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gotten to those places, I suppose, without the Oscar nomination, but uh, right, right, he's right. definitely I he was my favorite part of Revolutionary Road for sure, but I mean, you know, kind of a hard hard act to beat when you're that verbose and i haven't uh, i haven't seen that since it came out in theaters and i remember really liking it but um after recently rewatching american beauty and jarhead <laughs> i'm pretty i'm pretty nervous about any more mendez movies when was the last time you saw perdition i don't it, you know when i was 21 i think this is also is this not also conrad hall's final film i think it was yeah yeah, because uh, yeah, his last two movies were American Beauty and Road to Perdition. And this is a, a beautifully wow. shot film as well. It is, yes. Um, and I, I, I like Away We Go quite a bit, actually. I find it charming. Oh, okay. but, um, I liked that, too, when it came out. Yeah. But that's, I, liked, I liked all of them when they came out. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared yeah, yeah. to rewatch American Beauty because I, I'm still one of the few holdouts who, like, I think I watched it maybe six years ago, and I was like, "This movie's not that bad." I don't sure why everybody's dumping on American Beauty all of a sudden. It's pretty good, and I'm afraid I'm going to watch it now and be like, "Oh, okay, I get it. This is a trash." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I I know I gave it two, and yeah. Jr. gave it two, but but then again, yeah. you know, like you you might I don't know maybe you might, I'll maybe I'll yeah. uh, you, you know like see it. something there that you guys don't anymore. Okay, well, uh, I I watched um, Devs, which is the show eight part mini series from uh alex garland guy who did ex machina and uh annihilation and he also wrote dread and the beach 28 days later anyways uh this is a a show about a um f- i don't know what you'd call it like a like an apple or google type company mm-hmm. which is called amaya it's named after the owners or the yeah the owners um daughter who died in a car accident and the owner is played by what's his face from parks and rec nick offerman oh right um in a pretty you know which is that's a that's a barrier to entry maybe for some people because you expect him to be who he is in those shows and and in a lot of other things that he's done you know he's just kind of got it's hard to look past that and even in this when you're watching it the first episode it's difficult to see past nick offerman but there's something that happens pretty pretty um hardcore event that happens at the end of the first episode that kind of uh kind of puts you in the right mindset and uh pushes you past that I think a little bit and by the end of the show it's like not even an issue at all mm. and uh yeah it's just it's about this company and uh they're kind of uh i don't know underhanded in how they do things and they've got this secretive project going on called devs which they say is short for developers. And uh, this guy gets into the devs program and he tries to steal their secrets somehow. Well, he's got like a watch and he like, he, he goes into the bathroom. He, after he figures out what they're doing, which you don't know still, like as the audience, he goes into the bathroom, he starts setting his watch and you're like, what is he doing? And then he gets out <clears throat> and uh, they confront him. They're like, you're trying to steal stuff. You know, you're trying to steal numbers from us. And we know that. And we know that you're, working for the Russians and all this kind of stuff. And they end up killing him. And the rest of the show is his girlfriend trying to figure out what happened. She also works for the company and, uh, it's pretty masterfully done, I'd say. And 
from that perspective, it's very it's an exciting show. It's like a thriller. It's got these political espionage things going on in it. But then there's this whole other level, uh, which is more Garland esque, which is about free will and uh, not time travel, but being able to anticipate what's happening in the future, being able to see what happened in the past. And that is where the show really, really fucks your mind and just uh, you can't get enough of it, man. And some of the imagery is just absolutely amazing. And it's just a really well done show, really well made, really excellently directed, wonderfully paced. Like it knows exactly which episodes to spend more time on certain things, you know, like, like, you know, there are episodes where a bunch of shit happens. There's episodes where like one thing happens, you know what I mean? It's, Mm. it reminded me of Twin Peaks, the return a lot in that way, because that show is very deliberately paced as well. Um, So yeah, I would highly, highly recommend devs if you have seven and a half, eight hours to, you know, dedicate to, I mean, they're like 45 minute episodes. So I think the first episode is an hour, but the rest of them are like 45 minutes. It's on Hulu and, uh, and on FX. Apparently I think Hulu has a deal with FX where they show everything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, really, really good. And the, the, the star of it, um, the girlfriend is played by the Asian robot from ex machina. If you remember her. So. (laughs) So you said this was written by Garland and directed every episode. Good. Yeah. Cause like I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know that I would have watched it otherwise. To be honest, okay, yeah. I was hearing good things about it from people I respected, mm. and I was like, well, I'm not like put off by it. like I would watch, you know, I'm not like I would, like, I would never fucking watch this thing. But it was just like I just was like, this is so much time. But then mm. I realized it's written and directed every single episode by Garland, and I was like, well, I'll watch that then. I mean, that's like watching one of his films, and that's why I was going to mm. say, like Twin Peaks. In fact, I would say even more so than Twin Peaks. This show is pretty. Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Like, uh, there's like the beginnings and the ends of episodes aren't really like beginnings and ends, especially the beginnings. Like it begins at some really weird places and Mm. it always has a cold open, but the cold opens like sometimes have like nothing to do with anything and it'll just be like imagery and like no sound and just really cool stuff. And they use a low song in one of the episodes, which was automatically a bump up for me because I (laughs) fucking love low. But uh, and anyway, so yeah, I I highly recommend Devs. Cool, great show. Yeah, because I was thinking like, yeah, none of us really liked. Well, I don't know about Jr., but I think none of us really liked Annihilation. Yeah, it was but trash. like, but <laughs> but the the stuff before, you know, Garland had you know some good stuff going. I didn't on, like so Ex thought, Machina either. Well, I don't yeah, hate it, but I don't yeah, I don't like yeah. it very much. Yeah, but I mean, this is like you could see it as like. Ex Machina is such a self-contained small story compared mm. to this. Like this is a much larger, and I mean, I, don't, I I feel like he, this is maybe just a better example of what he's capable of if he's given the time and the money. And right, yeah, it seems like he is the kind of guy who would benefit from a mini series format. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and, which I think you know most directors. He apparently well, was gonna he was gonna do this as a film, and he decided to do it like this because he he thought it needed more time. So. Mm. Good job. JR? Yeah, I watched uh, Blood Quantum on Shudder. Um, you have Shudder? I, I, I got the free trial to watch something. Cursed okay, Films? To watch Audition. <laughs> oh. No. You didn't watch Cursed Films? No, and I, I don't think I'm going to have time. Oh, My trial runs out. You suck. It's, on so, Saturday. it's so good. Just watch the Crow episode. It'll make you cry. 
right, I'll watch the crow episode. Um, I can do, I can probably do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so this is a a new zombie movie that uh, is set in and around a First Nations reservation in Canada, mm. and it's about you know like a zombie virus that is reanimating the dead, that you know like every like every zombie movie is about. <laughs> um, but the people of the First Nations population appear to be immune. Uh, that's the that's the twist. So I mean, they can obviously still die. They can get killed by the zombies and eaten, but they uh, they do not reanimate. Um, and you know, once it's set up, we get a pretty standard uh, zombie movie. Small band of survivors slowly whittled away over the course of the movie, and uh, you know, there's like there's an asshole in the group. There are some outsiders who aren't immune in the group. There's a very pregnant woman. You know, con- conflict, right? Mm. It's just conflict. Uh, I don't know. The uh, there are like some pretty not good performances, but uh, if you get past that, it's like a pretty entertaining horror movie. It's not. No one is like so offensively bad, and the story. The story has few surprises, but, you know, nothing is like so dumb or so predictable. Uh, there's plenty of good gore, as well as also some like really crummy CGI gore. Mm. Three out of five. Sounds really uh, mediocre. <laughs> it does. It does sound that way. Yeah. Doesn't this have uh, nobody from uh, Dead Man? Gary Farmer. Yeah. Is he in this? Was he? I think he is. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah. That's a sort of a. That's like a really small plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like as a. Huh, he he was in a good movie once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Ghost Dog also. So that's. Yeah. So you could say yeah. twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's good when he's with Jarmish. Yeah, yeah. Too bad Jarmish didn't direct this instead of uh, the Dead Don't Dance or whatever the fuck that <laughs> shit was. Dead don't die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dead Don't Die was better than Bloody Quantum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. So, I finished rewatching the um, the Brosnan Bond movies, none of which are very good. <laughs> Um, Which is best? I I mean The best one is hands down Goldeneye Of course course. Um, But yeah like It's the only one directed by Martin Campbell Right He's the only good director of any of them yeah. Oh, the, well, the Lee, other Lee, are... Lee Tamahori is actually he directed The Edge. So, uh, what? I, yeah, I what? I do like The Edge, but I, honestly, I've seen other films by Tamahori, and he's he's awful. Oh. Like he can't direct his way out of a paper bag, except okay. for The Edge. It's really what good. About? What? You didn't like Once We Were Warriors? Oh, I didn't. Even, I don't know if I seen that. That was his, his first one. Oh, but you, that's but, like his. That's his acclaimed one. His his his, his his Bond film is awful. Yeah, die another day. Yeah. Is, is like shit. He, did, he and he also did the Devil's Double, which is trash, and Triple uh, oh. X State of the Union. <laughs> so you can imagine. Hey, that's the best Triple X. <laughs> I've seen it. No, the first one is the best because it has three minutes of Rammstein, and that's the first one is the best because it, it best. leads to all the other ones. So it's obviously <laughs> the best. <laughs> I didn't know he did. Uh, he did Mulholland Falls also. I haven't seen that, but oh, oh, and he okay, he did Along Came a Spider. That that movie's not absolute trash it's fun to watch okay okay anyways but yeah go ahead can sorry continue yeah so yeah <laughs> i like jonathan price a lot 
I wanted to like him in Tomorrow Never Dies because I thought, you know, oh, he'll be, you know, uh, kind of over the top but fun villain, and he's terrible. Like it's it's terrible. And I thought, oh, here comes Vincent Schiavelli. He's he's a good actor, but then he's doing this like shitty German accent and talking about how he's the greatest pistol marksman in the world, but and somehow he could shoot Bond from another city and make it look like a suicide. And it's With like a pistol. Yeah, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, I haven't seen this movie since the it's, theater in 1997. So. <laughs> it's so insanely stupid. Like, there's a there's um, I would say the best part of the movie is the first like I don't know five ten minutes, however long it takes, where like 007 is filming this uh, terrorist bazaar, where like all these terrorists are getting together and having fun and buying weapons and shit and like terrorists do yeah like terrorists do and you know he has to blow up he has to blow up the place and save uh these nuclear torpedoes that have been stolen but yeah after that it goes way downhill which one has which one uh of the brosnan films has the best song I was reading that Cheryl Crow does a song for Tomorrow Never Dies. And it is shit, in my opinion. I say that The World Is Not Enough, which is done by Garbage. um, Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that is the best one because I think it's, you know, it has all the elements you expect from a Bond theme, but it's done very, very well. And, like, Goldeneye, which was written by, like, Bono and the Edge and it's done by Tina Turner, it's all right. But, but tomorrow never dies is shit, and uh, die another day. That's is, Madonna, yeah, yeah, and it is pure die trash. Another day. Die. I remember the music Ugh. video to that being they had like blood in it because she gets cut. She like fighting herself in the music video, and there's oh, like right, she cuts right. herself on her abdomen. There's like pretty good blood actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's stupid. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. So Would you awful. Uh, recommend these films then to uh, Bond heads? <sighs> If they're if they're a completionist and they want to see all the Bond movies, yeah, go ahead. But like any casual viewer, I'd say you know, nah, you gotta. I, I still want to go back and you know rewatch the classics, you know, the rest of the Connery stuff and Roger Moore because I remember really liking those. But yeah, I have watch Goldeneye. The rest you can you can. It's so weird. I have Lose. so little. Like I have absolutely no interest in watching any of the Bond films. I mean, I don't know. I I know that like I sh- I feel like I should because they're they're well. I mean, they're important in the history of cinema. I mean, they're like a big franchise, and I mean, it's like it's like having not seen Star Wars or something. But yeah, I mean, it's I would... just like I just cannot. I like they're just like these. PG sixties spy goofy shitty movie. Actually, what what am I going to get out of this? They're, I mean, I they're was... not that goofy. Like, they're, they're are not. Doctor no, they're not that goofy. Like until Goldfinger, which is the third one. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll just watch the first I, two like, then. <laughs> Doctor Doctor No plays it pretty straight. It's just like a little spy thriller. Does and he karate chop anybody though? To see like karate chop people in it and stuff. I mean, no, like, I don't think that's so. the kind of thing that puts me off. Is like the the you know no, just it's chopping. no, it's just like the the combat stuff that they do in those well, movies. You know, it's going to be really weak and lame because it's the time period. Well, Doctor No features a tussle, like a, a 
two guys wrestling. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, all of it is shooting. Is very quick gun violence. Mm. I don't know. Maybe someday when I Sex. have even less to do than now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say at least watch like Doctor No and Goldfinger. At least give those two a shot because I, like those are kind of like the top classics of yeah. of the Bond films and the Bond genre. Uh, and I, um, I'd actually recommend From Russia with Love over Doctor No because I think it does like the the serious thing that Doctor No is doing better than oh, Doctor No. Okay. But then then Gold. Goldfinger is like it does get into goofy, but it's also just really fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> and also like that—that's the—that's the thing about Goldfinger too. Like if you've seen that one, you—you've kind of seen the rest of them because it's—it's. Yeah. I think Goldfinger really sets up the Bond formula that they yeah. kind of followed throughout. Fair enough. The rest of the movies. Um, I watched Chirac uh, for the first time. This is uh, yeah, well, Spike Lee's Chirac from 2015. Um, sort of inspired by the the Five Bloods trailer, and just having never seen this movie, and kind of always wanting to. And it's on uh, Prime, I think. Mm. I can't remember. I think I watched it on Prime, and um, it's uh, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, actually. It's really, really most a lot of. I would say I would venture to say most people are not going to like this if they watch it. <laughs> It's um, very strange for a modern, uh, typical audience, American audience, because it's part. A lot of it, a lot of the dialogue is um, done in like. I'm not sure it's iambic pentameter, but it rhymes, and it's oh. like it sounds like Shakespeare, sort of. But they're speaking, you know, modern English, obviously. In there, it's based on a Greek play, the whole story. So, like, it mm. makes sense from that perspective. And actually, the way it's because it's who it's dealing with, it's dealing with um, African American rappers or a rapper anyway, and then his he leads a gang mm-hmm. against another guy who leads a gang, and there are all kinds of rappers involved, and. uh because they're rappers, it makes sense that they would speak this way, I guess, even though it's, you know, completely stylized and nobody would ever say these things, but it really works. I don't know. I really, I loved it. I loved when they were talking like that. It's not the whole movie doesn't commit to it, which I think is okay because I think it might get tired after a while. Um, Nick Cannon plays <laughs> titular shy rack, the rapper and leader of the, um, one of the gangs, I think the Trojans, it's like the Trojans versus the Spartans. Oh, the two gangs, okay. you know. So yeah, a little bit on the nose there so with who's, the Greek who's thing. I guess I I would I suppose that uh, the female lead is Helen, but okay. There's not it's not a it's not a direct it's not about Troy. Right, it's right, a right, right. fictional. It's based on a play, you know. Okay. Um, is it is it Antigone? I can't remember. No, which. it's not Antigone. I can't remember the name of it. Hmm. Uh, but it's just I don't know. It's just really. I mean, this is not new for Spike Lee. Like he's done greek related stuff before like he has the chorus and do the right thing mm. and uh characters that you know speak directly to the camera to, ca- to carry the story along things like that and he has one in this too again played by sam jackson and uh it's just a really i don't know i found it enjoyable i found it uh powerful and moving at points mm. i cried at the end of it it won't be the last time i cried at a film 
from this uh, episode. So get ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cried at the end of it when I. Which which cartoon in heavy metal made him cry? <laughs> that's a good. That's good. Uh, we'll see. Um, no, but yeah, there's uh, some really powerful stuff. John Cusack is in this as a uh, priest at a church or a pastor at a church. I don't know if it's Catholic or not. Mm. And uh, there's a child who gets shot and he presides over the funeral. And he has this really, really extended um, sermon about gun violence. And it's mm. it's good. He's good. And it's just, I don't know, Cusack can be really good when he wants to. He's, he reminds me of Nicolas Cage because he's mm. kind of in that zone now where he's straight to video guy right a little bit but every once in a while you know he's in a big movie but he's doing a lot of trash too you know and yeah yeah but he's good when he wants to be i don't know he can really he can turn it on so yeah i would recommend chirac it's a little long but i mean it's not you know it's not crazy long it's not like four hours or anything i think it's like two and a half hours no big deal um and the woman who is in it at the center whose name i don't know I'm sorry. Her name is Nick Cannon. No, Tayona Paris. Mm. She is just a beautiful young lady. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say enough about how gorgeous she is. And uh, Wesley Snipes is in this as the leader of the opposite gang. And he's really fun. He's just, he's got this ridiculous laugh that he affects. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and his name is Cyclops and he only got one eye. He's got (laughs) on. (laughs) So more Greek stuff there. And Dave, Dave Chappelle is in it for like four seconds, but you pretty much see him and all everything he does in the trailer. So, um, yeah, good movie. Check it out. Chirac. And I was surprised that Jer hadn't seen this. Just, I, I haven't one. seen a lot of Spike Lee. I know. Just, no, just that it's so recent and it came out and it was kind of a big, bigger movie yeah. for him. Then like, I also, I just didn't know that uh, Nick Cannon still acted. I thought he was mass, <laughs> mass singer only. Mm. <laughs> Masked singer only. <laughs> he was, uh, he apparently divorced Mariah Carey right after this movie came out. So wow. maybe, uh, Maybe he was moving on a little bit with his career at that point. He's pretty good in it, actually. He has some emotional scenes and mm. some scenes where he has to react quietly to things, and he's not bad. I was uh, <laughs> I was a little worried when I first saw him. I was like, oh, Nick Cannon. <laughs> but he's not bad. Jer? Yeah. Um, sorry. I was looking at Tiana Harris. It's never... Apparently, I've seen her in a Bill Street talk. Totally forgot. Yeah, um, I didn't realize she was in that either, and I was looking at her up after because she looks familiar in Chirac. But I mean, I don't, I couldn't pick her out of a crowd, honestly. But she's, she's very, she's. Not, I didn't mean to just say she's a beautiful lady. She is, but she's also very good in the film. Also, she's a good actor. So sweet. Oh, I will watch this soon. Uh, I rewatched, um, I rewatched Matchpoint. The uh, all right, here we go. Woody Allen movie. <laughs> the best Woody Allen movie that I've seen. I was like, that is so not correct. Uh, but I, I liked Matchpoint. Um, I liked this more than, than I remembered. Um, it's, it's so just well put together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the story of an idiot who does idiot things or, you know, it's the story of a lucky individual who continues to get lucky. Um, I think Allen makes it clear that you can, read it both ways considering how much they talk about luck in the movie and how we're introduced to Jonathan Riss Myers reading the idiot by Dostoevsky. Um, but uh, Kevin, have you seen this? 
No. No? Okay. Um, well, it's about a tennis instructor played by John Lewis Myers who gets, uh, you know, assigned to like a very wealthy client and uh, Matthew Good. And he introduces him to his family, including beautiful single sister Emily Mortimer and uh, Good's fiance, American uh, ScarJo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, ScarJo, <laughs> as I said in the movie, has she has a profound effect on men. And uh, and on the audience as well, mm. sure. Uh, but you know, this guy strikes up a relationship with Mortimer, marries her, you know, takes a a job at their we call it business. Just it's a business company. They just do business. We don't know <laughs> what they do. They just have meetings and do business. Um, it takes a job there, uh, all the while lusting after Scar Joe, and then eventually having an affair with her. And uh, again, it's just. The way that it's all set up and then the way that the second half is plotted is just some great, great stuff from Alan um, and everyone. And it is excellent except maybe for Myers, whom I I don't, I can't pinpoint why I don't like him, but I really just didn't like him. Maybe it's just the punchable face. I don't know. Yeah, he Something does have that. Him, I agree. Yeah, the, pun- the punchable face, but also like, you know, I saw him in like a couple of episodes of... Um, Tudor Vampire Diaries. Yeah, the Tudors. No, I haven't seen Vampire Diaries. Is he in that? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And uh he and you know, he was another just just another cog in the shit wheel that was uh I'll sleep when I'm dead with uh Clive Owen. <laughs> so Okay. <laughs> it was a shitty movie. Are you talking about Warren Zevon there wow. for a second? This a song by Warren Zevon, oh, I'll okay. Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I- See the the only thing that really holds this back. There are two things that hold this movie back for me, and it's um, there's just like too many references to luck and being lucky. It's just like Alan, Alan, we get it, we know. And then like it, again, introducing Myers, reading the idiot is probably like a tad on the nose. Uh, and then also, Alan has already made this movie, and it's called uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, which is his best movie. And uh, everyone should go watch that. If his movies were more readily available to stream, I would watch that. Yeah. To rent well, everything. And, and we're not, mm. we're not supposed to be watching his movies anyway. The, um, yeah, the uh, you know, I have two two hiccups with this film as well, which stop it from being a five out of five for me. Do you know so, what they are, Jared? Yeah, because I read your. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I read your review. Oh, did I write you them used, in the review? Yeah, I, don't I, even remember. I used paper I thought, or whatever instead of blanks. Flash paper, yeah, yeah. brutal. I thought you were going to be all pissed off, it's like, no, this was going to be my pick for the next deep dive. No, it's on my list, but I knew okay. that he had seen it before, so it wasn't high okay. up on the list. And actually, he watched. I want to say he watched something else recently that was on my list as well. Oh, the Three Burials of Melchiades Estrada was on my list. And you rewatch that, of course. So well, that's yeah, off nothing, now. Nothing from 2005 is safe. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, again, if you had seen it before, it wouldn't have probably been one of my first picks anyway. So Reburials was on uh, my, you know, I've got like a 70 film deep dive list. Yeah. Probably right. Take it off that. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, four out of five. And there's only, is like literally two gunshots. I, so they're is your they're extremely gunshots? yeah no well i don't okay well i'll be honest i only remember one gunshot at this point it's it from the same gun that both gunshots happen same gun same sequence same okay gun. yes then yes that's both of those gunshots and it's just that it's pivotal to the 
entire film, those gunshots yeah. and the type of gun he's using. I don't want to give anything away. The type of gun he's using though, is just like flash paper with, from that gun is even more offensive. If it was like a pistol, I would sort of maybe forgive it, but brutal, brutal. Can't do it. I don't know. But I mean, yeah. again, you know, it's Woody Allen and he's shooting in another country. I don't know what the laws are and everything. Who knows? God only knows. <laughs> this is a, I mean, this is one of his few movies that's readily available. It's on HBO uh, go right now. I have the DVD. So, <laughs> kind of like so get, get to it, Kevin. You should, man. For real. It's good. Maybe. <laughs> Kevin doesn't give a fuck. Not, not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not like, to- like, like I hates Alan. Well, like if someone like I wouldn't be like, you know, if someone was like, hey, we're going to do a deep dive on a Woody Allen movie, like I'll watch the movie. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't really like of all the movies of his that I've seen and I have seen a few. It's like, OK, it's all kind of the for me. It's all kind of the same thing. So I'm less ready to well, give him a not sh- a comedy at all. You really I am offended by this take. <laughs> Ooh. I don't. Dis- I don't disagree. I mean that, that Woody Allen has a, a habit of casting himself as the same character in every movie. That you know what I mean. But it's like this movie is yeah. not like that at all. Uh, like at just, all. His his comedies are only one side of what he right. does right. Okay. or did. Not that I'm a not that I'm a well versed at all. But I mean, from what I've seen, even I mean, this is like way different than anything I've seen. Like I, you know, way mm. different than Manhattan or Annie Hall or anything like that. It's, got, yeah, it's and not I mean, funny at all. <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's like, it's a draw. It's a very drama, drama, drama. Okay. But uh, yep. anyway, yes. uh, Kevin. So, let's see. Uh, <laughs> to continue the new film yak tradition. Oh, you talk about Star Wars again? again? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys both talked about the drafts with. Oh, the, right, 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 and, right. You know, and now, Son now, of a bitch. Now it's time yes, for you. Now it's time. Now it's time for me. I, I I mean the only thing I can really say is like I I, I liked it a little a little bit less than you guys did but like personally I want to know where that three hour cut is because I think that would make it a better for me yeah. it would probably make it a better film because I thought there was a lot of stuff in there that like like you know spoiler alert for you know so like the whole like you know the whole thing of it being turning into sort of a murder mystery doesn't happen until like almost an hour in. And like, I feel like, you know, yes, it's probably not really about, um, you know, it's not really a murder mystery. It's more of just a character study of people of the time period and et cetera, et cetera. But like, I feel like something like the murder mystery is something you need to give people who, you know, it, it needs to be there for them to have something to hold on to throughout the movie. Otherwise, you know, it just quickly becomes like a hangout movie where it's a bunch of a bunch of people that are not really, you know, um, identifiable talking about things that we have no conception of because we didn't live in the late 1600s. You know, it's not like, you know, the before movies or you know like clerks or something like that where it's a fun hangout for people who can you know easily get to the comedy so yeah i'm wondering where the three-hour cut is because apparently there's more stuff that goes on more stuff that is explained and 
I think that would probably just make it a better movie experience. Possibly. Or it could suck. You never know. know. Yeah, it could (laughs) could fuck it all up. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like a movie that's um, really, really apt for a Criterion release. Like a yeah, you're right. Just seems like something that would be on Criterion. I don't know why it isn't. Is there? There's no Greenaway on Criterion disc, is there? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Mm. I mean that. Yeah. I mean, even there are other ones I haven't even seen that seem like they should be also. So it's Mm. like it's just bizarre that uh, the. Some of the filmmakers, I guess, they, I mean, I know there are like rights issues and stuff that maybe they can mm. get a hold of it or something. But, um, like I said, I joined Mubi again, so I watched. I've uh, been watching some of their uh, Weimar Germany uh, programs and uh, watched two Murnau films. I rewatched uh, Nosferatu, which I'm not entirely sure that I had seen before. They had definitely seen a lot of it, but not sure I've actually sat down and watched it until now. Mm. And uh, liked Nosferatu a lot. Don't have a lot to say about it. I mean, it's... Um, I would say it's like really... Well, I guess what I want to say about it is that it's so drastically different from the other Murnau film that I watched, which is The Last Laugh from 1924, which is two years later. And it's crazy to me. It makes me respect Murnau as a filmmaker because he obviously like the tools that he had couldn't have been that different two years later, but the last laugh is such a more interestingly shot movie. Not that it doesn't take anything away from Nosferatu. I like Nosferatu better actually, but it's, but the last laugh is just like, there's so many, like the the camera moves so much in it and it like Mm. never moves in Nosferatu like ever, you know? And, uh, so it was just a lot of fun to watch the last laugh and see all these, interesting camera movements and the way that they there's a scene where um the main character oh, it's about it's about an old have you seen this Mm-mm. it's about an old man who um works as a, a doorman for a hotel the atlantic in berlin mm-hmm. and he's too old to carry the suitcases so like he's getting weak so they decide they're gonna demote him to a bathroom attendant in the basement bathroom <laughs> oh. and so and he his kind of whole identity is wrapped up in being the doorman for this hotel. Like he takes a lot of pride in, it and everybody loves him and everything. Mm. And so when they demote him, it's kind of like soul crushing, and like he's just he affects like this whole different posture and demeanor for the whole rest of the film. But there's a scene where he's in the building after hours, and there's a like a security man, and he's wearing like a light around his neck like a flashlight, but it's, you know, you just hold it like it's a lantern mm-hmm. and it's shining light. And it's, uh, he gets in front of him and there's like a big light on his face. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Like that, that light is that bright to show on his face. And I realized that light is not the one showing on his face. They're using a spotlight on his face. Cause you could see a little bit of that light. It's real, real dim on his jacket. And I was like, that's just like, that's a cool th- I like to see stuff like that. It, was, it reminded me of, um, of uh, down by law when oh, they're yeah. in the they're in the shack and they light the candles and all of a sudden the whole room is lit up because <laughs> you, you can see it like they're lighting stuff off screen you know yeah. to make there be more light so I don't know it's a common thing but it was interesting to see it this early in in films and um yeah I really enjoyed both of these I, I started watching uh, Spion or Spies the uh, Fritz Lang movie it's a little bit longer than these but uh, even the first five minutes of it were very exciting really cool stuff going on. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, check out 
that and some more. I don't think I've ever seen a Fritz Lang movie, so oh. it'll be my first Whoa. Fritz Lang movie. Yeah. Not, not even uh, like Metropolis or. Oh, I, you know, I've seen. Okay, that's another one. It's like that's another one like Nosferatu, where mm. I couldn't say if I've actually sat down and watched the entire thing or not. Right, right, right. But I know I've never seen like. I think I had rented uh, M at some point from the library when I was a teenager, but wow. never watched it. Mm. So yeah, I'm not. That's a, that's a big one. I'm just trying to get you know, just trying to see more. Yeah. Silent films and uh, stuff that I wouldn't have normally, especially now. It's so easy to watch because I'm I'm seeing I'm watching my kid all day, and she'll be you know she'll have her show on on the smaller TV, and because sound's not an issue with the silent films, I can just you know watch them, which is great. Mm. So yeah, the uh, restoration of Nosferatu on movie was so much better than whatever I watched, you know, back in college. Was, oh, yeah, it looks, looks good. It looks great. <coughs> yeah, it looks really good. Every, everything I've watched on movies so far looks incredible. I really like the way that they're, the app is set up on Apple TV, and, uh, yeah, I'm very happy with the service so far. Yeah, I started watching Nosferatu again last night, but it just got too late, and I was too tired to finish it. But, uh, yeah, like... I've seen it before, but it was in a class where, mm. like, everyone decided, like, oh, it's mystery science theater time now. And it's oh, like, no, guys. That's no good. Yeah. Like, I would have actually liked to watch the movie. I almost rewatched Shadow of the Vampire after I watched it. Oh, yeah. I was very I wanna, close. I want to watch that again, too. I was very close, but I just, I yeah. just I had other things I wanted to see. Mm. I had forgotten how brutal the first 20 minutes are before shrek shows up in nosferatu in, in nosferatu yeah okay. i just yeah maybe just because i it's been so long since i've seen it and i'm just waiting for uh you know the vampire to show up i'm sure. just like let's go let's go come that's on that's another thing that's another big difference i think between the two is uh in uh, between nosferatu and the last laugh is that the last laugh has no dialogue cards at all ever oh through the entire film cool and so it's all told through actions and mm. visuals Anyway, Jer? Yeah, I, I watched, um, you know, I was just kind of on this problematic director train. I watched uh, <laughs> Roman Polanski's Pirates. Oh, yeah, oh, Walter Matthau. Which is uh, <laughs> his attempt at like a seafaring adventure comedy epic <laughs> in the mid-80s. Mm. And uh, it fails. It fails. Uh, Walter Matthau is a uh, captain on a, like a, is on a raft. <laughs> their their ship has sunk. Uh, he's about to cannibalize his first mate, a Frenchman named Frog. Uh, when you know, off, went off in the distance, they see a, a Spanish ship. Uh, Kevin, you might you might like this movie more than I did. I but, shouldn't be laughing. He no, likes the description. <laughs> a Frenchman named Frog. <laughs> a good he he climbs a lot. He's very small. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know, they're they're rescued by the Spaniards. They're basically, you know, they're they're put to work as you know the normal, you know, sailors. The Spaniards are very rich and fancy, uh, and then the rest of the plot is kind of like episodic. Frog falls for the beautiful niece of the Spanish captain. Uh, Mathau is continually trying to subvert the authority of the Spaniards and take command of the ship uh, through various hijinks. Uh, the comedy fails. The high seas adventure of it is pretty boring. So uh, don't don't watch this one. Not 
definitely one of Polanski's worst. Uh, and it looks it looks expensive as fuck. <laughs> yeah, this, I'm sure it was. Probably a big a big budget mess. Mm. Two out of five. Yeah, I was. Uh, this is one of the films that uh, I wouldn't say I'd been meaning to see, but I had have heard of it because uh, I was looking at pirate films and wondering if there were good pirate films. And like, I mean, outside of you know, obviously like uh, Errol Flynn and shit like that, but I mean like newer, like modern films that are serious pirate films, and there just don't seem to be. Like they're all mm. comedies. They're you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, or yeah. this, or uh, Cutthroat Island, even or something like you know what I mean. And they just don't make because I was because I remember reading. I read a like several Wikipedia pages about different pirates and actual right, events and right. stuff. And it's really it's some hardcore shit. Yeah, I think and it's all, it seems like it's all very sanitized when it gets to Hollywood. Mm. There's a um, a pirate adjacent movie made by Monty Hellman that is good. It's called Iguana. Oh, starring yeah, Edward McGill. Yeah. Right. That it's, could be interesting. It, you know, to call it a pirate movie is probably not correct, but it's, you know, it's on an island with those kind of ships. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it's like I was watching, uh, I rewatched Apocalypto mm. just because. And uh, and uh, at the end of it, there's, you know, the, the conquistadors arrive. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I don't want to see that movie. I want to see the conquistadors arrive and like right. rush, a boat, rush ashore and you know, take yeah. out everybody. The other, the other day I started rewatching uh 1492 oh yeah that's yeah I, eventually eventually i'll finish it again but i saw jr gave it a two out of five and he's shaking I his head like saying don't watch it <laughs> i didn't remember, i didn't hate it i remember them being pretty spectacular action sequence about midway through right. at some point yeah um, what yeah what wasn't selling Ger- it for Gerard's me a problem yeah oh, is that, yeah. yeah for me it, for me too that was that was one of the reasons why like you know i stopped it because it was late and then, like, I didn't get back to it again because I was like, ah, oh, man, Gerard Depardieu is not very good. So, like... That's too bad. Yeah, and having to spend... Like, seeing in the first, like, ten minutes that he's not very good, and then, like, okay, it's this is, like, an almost three-hour movie. How am I going to do this with this man? You you rely on the Ridley Scott visuals. Yeah, you're right. Because that mean, credit it, it sequence visually, fucking rules. Yeah. yeah. It's a visually striking movie. Mm. Um but I don't – it's just like narratively a slog and Gerard mm. Depardieu is, you know, like bad to the point that I, I think he's just distracting and just – Yeah. It's hard to get through. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Kevin? So let's see. Yeah. So back to Star Wars. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean I just I just needed to get it out of my system, you know? So you rewatched nine – all nine films. No. I mean the the other ones <laughs> – yeah, I just saw that you ranked them. I just assumed you rewatched yeah. them all. No, I, I didn't rewatch the uh, the sequel trilogy because those are recent enough. Okay, like yeah. I know, like, and I've rewatched, for, like, I rewatched Force Awakens and Last Jedi recently enough. Like before, I watched Rise of Skywalker, so I didn't really need to revisit them. Like, they're they're the best Star Wars movies in my opinion, and I didn't count like Rogue One or uh, Solo because. You didn't see his list, JR? JR looks surprised. No. You should look at his list right now. 
Like if this I is, if this, this was if this was I posted it on Facebook and I yeah, yeah. did if, the if thing this with was, Mr. Burns if this was 15 years ago we'd be having it out like uh, as it is now I could give a fuck but yeah, I but I can say, like, you don't, you but don't I can care. see how people would be offended oh, by this for list for sure for sure <laughs> of course they would to which I would be like <laughs> look at his face yeah, I can <laughs> handle it I'm not offended by this I'm just trying to wrap my head around a J.J. Abrams movie being at the top of any list. That's not just J.J. <laughs> Abrams movies ranked. Well, if it, to be fair, I would put Force Awakens at the top of the list, but I haven't rewatched all the films either. So, And in the words of Lewis Black, I know I was shot too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go through the prequel trilogy. They're fucking shit. Um... <laughs> Okay, on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, George George Lucas has really great ideas, but he cannot execute them well to save his life. Mm-hmm. Like, like episodes one through three are just so they're just so bad. Like, you know, it just shows a complete lack of competence on his part. And the fact that enough people like went along with this vision and were like, "Oh yeah, this is this is fine." Didn't he self finance though? So I mean, it wasn't. Like I mean, a, he probably could have. So I think pro- that he did at least with the first one. Yeah, and like you know, Fox was probably like, "Oh, you know, George Lucas comes back to Star Wars. It's a it's a big thing. You know, we can just make a lot of money." I think it was a Star Wars was back at all. You yeah, know? yeah, wasn't yeah. even didn't matter who was behind it. Probably he probably could have. He probably could have sold it off at that point to true, somebody true. and they would have made it. It was, still would have been the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah, know? that's true. But yeah. And, uh, like I feel, I feel so bad for Jake Lloyd. Mm. Like, like rewatching, rewatching this movie, like made me really want to like turn in my nerd card. Mm-hmm. Cause like it was that crowd that like hounded this poor little boy into like a really just, a really dark place. He shouldn't have been such shit in the movie then. That's He's his fault. not. <laughs> Just kidding with you. <laughs> That's the thing though. He acts like you would expect a, you know, a little boy to act in a movie. It's like sorry he's not, you know, Especially in a George Lucas directed movie. Well, he's yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I blame I blame Lucas's writing and direction more than Jake Lloyd himself. Because I heard you talking about midi chlorians. I was wondering, what are midi chlorians? <laughs> Right? Yeah. Great actor. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the problem is that you put it, you put this kid who's never acted before and who's not terribly talented in a scene with Liam Neeson. I mean, what are you, you going to do, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like... Liam Neeson's good in it, yeah? He's all right. I mean, he's competent. He's competent, yeah. you know, like... Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, most, no most people are... He's not embarrassing himself, though. I wouldn't say he's embarrassing right. himself, right. but I mean... Like Ewan McGregor is in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. With his fake beard and Ooh. everything else, <laughs> or Hayden Christensen in either of the films, and Hayden Christensen is another. I, 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 was... <laughs> I, I would go to. I would say what you said about Jake Lloyd about Hayden Christensen because I think Hayden Christensen is actually can be talented. Or I've seen him put in a good performance in other films or in another film, Shattered Once. Glass. Yeah, I was wondering, <laughs> well, I was wondering. Terrific. I was wondering about that because, like, I was going in to attack the clones, ready to defend Hayden Christensen, and I was like, No, I'm sure he's awful in those. Still, oh, I don't. Terrible. Yeah. And like, so yeah, and like the clunk, the clunky, just awful romance that's in Attack of the Clones is just like it's it's terrible, just yeah, absolutely terrible. And then, but then you think about, I mean, it's not like 
it's not like he had brilliant actors for the original trilogy either. I mean, Harrison no. Ford is obviously good and competent in the way that Lee Neeson is, and he's charming and whatsoever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. Mark Hamill is awful, and and I mean Carrie Fisher is not a, a great actress. You know, I mean, these are just yeah kind of the, randos. You know, yeah, I mean, they were all they were all getting their start, and like I would say that they're decent. I you know. I wouldn't say they were embarrassing themselves. No, I, I agree. They, they're not as bad as Christensen and, and Jake Lloyd, but that's yeah, uh, that's yeah, what's yeah. weird about the first trilogy is that it well, works I, so much better than the. Well, I remember thinking a long time. Matter. I remember no thinking a long time those. ago that, uh, <laughs> like, like instead of Hayden Christensen, like he should have gotten Patrick Fugit, who was like kind of had like a similar look and like was a he better looks, actor. He looks too Why much like Luke Skywalker. Career, Kevin, chill. <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Fugit ruined his own career, man. Yeah, Have I was going to say. Like... I mean, come on. This guy's over. <laughs> no. no, he was in Gone Girl. He's he's on top of the world. Yeah, he was fine. <laughs> and yeah, and like, yeah, just Revenge of the Sith. Like, I know a lot of people, like, a lot of people will say that this is like the most, is the best I don't of get this that trilogy. At all. But yeah, like, just, just the, the concept alone of some guy being like, hmm, how do I save my wife and child from dying? I know. I'll kill an entire room full of children. Yeah. Well, he has to embrace and, the dark then, side because they they're they the only ones with the power to raise the dead. It's such bullshit. <laughs> and, then, and, then for the, and then for the rest of the movie, for them to call them younglings, it's just so fucking offensive. Even the younglings? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's classic. I saw, I saw footage of you killing younglings. Not even the younglings survives. Like they're fucking children. He murdered children. Well, you know, you don't I have, just, you don't I have just a problem can't. with Yoda talking weird in the movies. <laughs> so for forgive me if I've said this before on this podcast, but I am convinced that this movie is remembered as the best prequel movie because there's a fight scene at the end, like the duel. Right? And they everyone, can. like what everyone really remembers, is the sense of relief after seeing this. Like, ah. oh my god, it's over! I survived. <laughs> I made it through this. And I never have to fucking deal with it again. That's I feel like I, yeah. I feel like just from an aesthetic standpoint, obviously, Phantom Menace looks better than the other two. It was shot on film, and yeah. and it the the fight scene at the end of Phantom Menace. Is you're not going to tell me it's not the best fight scene, lightsaber fight scene out of any of the three films. I mean, it's like I would argue that it's the best saber duel in the entire saga. I, that's fair too. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I like the way that it's set up. I like that there's no music during most of it. I think that's like an interesting choice that feels weird because he's mm. so like like you say, Lucas had he doesn't his taste level is questionable at best, mm. and so it's weird that he he made the choice to not have duel the fates just running through the entire fucking thing nonstop. Well, it starts out that way. Right. But I'm saying like there's a, there yeah, are they, points they, in it where it's, yeah. there's literally no sound. I mean, no music and it's just the, the sound of the force fields and everything. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I love that. Like that idea of the force fields blocking them off and them mm-hmm. having to stop and wait. Like that's an interesting idea. Where, where are those ideas in the rest of the thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. That's a cool set piece. It's like a Spielbergian set piece, you know? And yeah. I feel like it's just, he couldn't have come up with that. There's no way Lucas came up with that. <laughs> I yeah. He probably I was on the phone with Spielberg, <laughs> and and you know, he's he just told him over the phone and he wrote it down. Yeah. Well, I just thought of this great line from uh, Clerks, the animated series. Like, there's a, <laughs> there's a scene where like Randall gets uh, a bunch of directors up on the stand in this trial and just grills them over their bad movies, and uh, it's like. 
Isn't it true you knew this was a bad movie? You wrote it over a weekend but kept telling people it was done for years? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah. Uh, so you're, but your list is pretty, outside of the uh, sequel trilogy being higher than the mm. original, you're, you're, I would say your list is pretty typical. I mean, it's Probably. like it's, yeah. it's in order of the, I mean, you're, all your films are together. Yeah. yeah, yeah your yeah, trilogies yeah. are all together, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I think what you're saying is right. Most people would probably have episode three higher than episode one, but yeah, those yeah. people are dumb. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And totally. like, and, uh, well, I'll, I'll save it. Well, not just, and also, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just the, go ahead and the, you know. sorry, but the, the duel itself is, I, I, I would agree. It's probably the best thing in the entire series. Mm. And I think duel of the fates, the aforementioned duel of the fates is, oh, might yes. be the best piece of music that John Williams has ever written. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> it's a very powerful piece. I don't of, know. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm still, I still need to rewatch, uh, ET and born on the 4th of July. Nah, okay. Born on the 4th of July. is yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't going to leave you hanging, but you know, there, uh, that, 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 that along, that has to do with sort of stones visuals with that music as well. Right, I think right, it right. makes it powerful. So yeah, but, um, yeah, like, but like I rewatched the, uh, the, you know, original trilogy thinking that like oh empire is going to be a five i mean of course sure, it is yeah. but then i was like eh, it's four and a half it's i it's still good but it's not probably the best looking though no easy yeah easy irvin kershner was like he did a great job and he made this movie look fucking fantastic and that's that's another that's one of the other weird things about lucas retconning all this all this shit in the movies it's like Everyone kind of forgets that, like, he directed one movie. And, mm-hmm. like, ostensibly, he trusted these other directors to go out and make good movies. But, I mean, that's but, weird, too, but because he also... But then he comes back and is like, nah, this needs to be in it. This needs Isn't to be in it. Isn't it crazy how, how much conversation we get out of these movies that, like... <laughs> Like, I mean, it's just like none of us are even like huge fans. It just seems it's no. insane to me. Well, right. I mean, you know, like th- this will this will easily be like you know we'll do it this time and they'll probably never yeah, the, be mentioned uh, again this, except in passing on the podcast. I didn't even know this, but the cinematographer from uh, Empire is uh, Peter Shushitsky, who's Cronenberg's uh, guy. Oh, nice. so he shot he shot Crash and uh, Dead Ringers. And well, Naked I want to say I think Cronenberg was offered like either. Empire or Jedi. I know Lynch was offered. Lynch was Empire, offered or Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, Jedi. Yeah, it was after he did Elephant Man. Right, but I think I think Cronenberg was offered I could see at least that. one of them. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that's uh, that's that. I guess. Yes. No more Star Wars talk for the foreseeable future. Yeah, unless unless somehow it becomes really important, uh, like. Yeah. Uh, like, like like this somehow like, ended up like when up Mandalorian being... season two comes out. We'll have to discuss that, I guess. Huh? For sure, for sure. Right, Jr. <laughs> anyway, sure. uh, I watched. Uh, okay, I went on a little bit of a tangent here. Rewatched Public Enemies because you know it's the next Michael Mann film after Miami Vice, and I hadn't seen it since mm-hmm. the the theaters. Uh, it's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. Mm. That led me to got to rewatch Untouchables after that, right? <laughs> so had to do a rewatch of Untouchables, which is a near masterpiece for me. It's almost perfect. Mm. Um, I don't ask me what's not about it. I don't know why it's a four and a half. It just is. It's just not a five, mm. but it's very very close. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's it might be my favorite Kevin Costner performance. Mm. Um, and then this led me to. Re- okay, this is this is where it gets complicated. Uh oh. This led me to watch Dick Tracy. 
Now, I don't know if I've seen Dick Tracy before. I have vague memories. I have memories of it existing when our childhood. And I have memories of certain things that happen in it, but they don't look the same when I rewatched it. Like he write, like one of the characters writes on the wall with a Tommy gun. And I feel like I've seen that, but it didn't look the same. And as a character, another character who uh, gets con, he gets put in a box and they pour concrete over him. And I'm like, I feel like I've seen that before, but I don't, it just doesn't look quite right. I was like, I don't know. I I would have seen it when I was like seven, you know? So I just don't remember shit about it. So I I logged it as a first time watch, but um, Dick Tracy from 1990 directed by Warren Beatty starring Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. And I, I like Warren Beatty in this. I think he's really, uh, he's the, he's the most, uh, straight man out of any, like he's the one, he's the most normal character out of any of the characters. You know, he's mm-hmm. not wearing any makeup. He's pretty quiet for the most part. He never gets demonstrative. He never yells at anybody. He's just kind of like doing his job. He's not even, have, he doesn't even really have that much action or anything. Like he doesn't fight that many people or shoot anybody. Like he's just, he's more like just around <laughs> <laughs> while, uh, Al Pacino is, uh, to use your phrase, chewing up the scenery. Mm. And, um, Al Pacino plays uh, Big Boy Caprice, who's he's great in this. Like he's awesome. Have you guys seen Dick Tracy? I feel like I, the same oh. as you. Like I can't. I know for sure that I've seen like a scene or something from it on TV, yeah. but I I can't remember ever actually sitting down and watching the entire thing. Well, I would recommend it. I don't. I didn't love it. I gave it a three and a half, but I would recommend it just on the fact it's such a strange movie in the history of big Hollywood movies. It's mm the closest thing to a live action cartoon I've ever seen. I mean, like it's like more so than Roger rabbit even like, it's just like, it's so crazy looking and the and colorful and all the, every single bad guy is in makeup, some kind of weird makeup to make them look a certain kind of way. And William Forsyth plays flat top and he's got this incredibly flat head. Wow. And, uh, Al Pacino is unrecognizable <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. He's insane in it. Uh, Madonna is in it and mm. just looking absolutely gorgeous. Just <laughs> really focused on these women today, but she's uh, yeah, she's and she's pretty good in it. She plays uh, Breathless Mahoney, and uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, like I say, it's not perfect. It's got a lot of issues, but mm. it's uh, it's a very interesting movie to watch. Check I'm, out Dick Tracy. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like keep going like the trajectory we were going. I thought you would like rewatch like Sin City or something. No, I was I was I was on I was on like a thirties yeah, he would have watched that. Oh yeah. Uh, I was on like a thirties gangster thing. I, I I think uh I had another film that I was gonna watch. Let me try to th- well actually Have you seen I, the original Scarface? I have not, and that would have okay. been one of them. I've seen like I saw the public enemy when I was a teenager. Mm. Uh, after Public Enemies I almost rewatched Dillinger. Because oh, yeah. I just wanted to see how much better Warren Oates was. I know he's a million times better than Johnny Depp, and um, yeah, but I just didn't get around. To it. I wanted to watch mm. like other like I watched The Last Laugh and then Dick oh, really, Tracy. Really, really. But uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. These are these are all all three of these movies were enjoyable to varying degrees. But yeah, Dick Tracy was definitely the weirdest and mm. kind of most exciting. Cool. So anyway. I'm not going to talk about uh, Sin City, but I did rewatch it, and I thought it would be – I just thought it would be lame as hell. 
and uh, it's not. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. fun. Yeah, I like it. Speaking of Nick Offerman in places that you wouldn't expect him. Is he in that? Yeah, he's uh, one of the uh, Bert and Schlub, I want to oh, say, one is of their the... names. You don't really see his face then. You don't really, but like, like it's but you know it's black and white and silhouette, right. and like uh, <laughs> I remember writing in my uh, when I watched the uh, all the what's that called all the real girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I remember writing in my letterbox review that like that was the second person from Parks and Rec that I had seen their junk. Oh yeah, yeah because yeah. Uh, Nick Offerman is also in Deadwood, <clears throat> right. and there's a part there's a part in the show where he's like having sex with a prostitute and then he busts into some room start naked into uh the office the man the bad guy's office yeah and there he is in all his glory yeah he's got his dick hanging out yep yeah i was thinking about that i actually thought about that scene while i was watching devs because yeah (laughs) every all the all three of the main cast members in that him the female lead and her boyfriend who gets killed they've Mm -hmm. all done frontal nudity uh? <laughs> I don't know. I just popped my eyes. Like, I was like, this is crazy. All these people have done frontal nudity. Yeah. And it's like two of them are men. So it's pretty, pretty unusual. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Well, JR, you didn't want to talk about Sin City. Yeah. Sorry. Right. This will, uh, this will be my last one. Um, I was just going to mention head on since uh, this is in my top 50. I did rewatch it and mm. you guys have no memory of it being in my top 50. That's been so, a long uh, time ago now. My, yeah. my man. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't well, think I don't think we really you know, talked about it. I gave you a our, list, and we, you didn't memorize it, so you're jerks. <laughs> we didn't really talk about each film, though, did we? Didn't we? Like, no, yeah, I, we I didn't start least. talking. We burned about through them until and then like got the into top twenty. I right, think. right, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so this came out in uh, 2004, 2005 in America, um, and it is a German movie about two um, people of Turkish descent in Germany. One is a widower who is trying to just destroy his life um he you know has like a shitty job at a bar and he's just drunk all the time and ends up purposefully drunkenly driving himself into a wall trying to commit suicide he's put in the hospital ward for suicide attempt survivors because there's like a you know a therapy aspect to that uh part of the hospital and he meets this young girl played by uh sybil kakili who is um just a gorgeous woman uh and she appears to just semi-regularly attempt suicide to escape just her super conservative Turkish family. They don't let her leave the house. They don't let her do anything. Uh, so she proposes when she finds out that um, this guy is Turkish, she proposes that the two get married and sort of like a something similar to a green card arrangement. Mm. Like, we'll get married just so I can get out of my house. I'll be your roommate. I'll be a good roommate. Uh and so she just kind of like enjoys life for a while. Then of course they slowly fall for each other. Then there's like a tragic element and then they're separated. And, uh, the last 40 minutes of the movie end up taking place in Istanbul. And there is definitely like a, a, a drastic tone change at, after what we've seen. It's like a romantic melodramatic story in Germany. And then it is something darker and sadder in Istanbul. And, uh, you know, this movie is not perfect, despite my five out of five and it being in my top 50. There's definitely some things that I would take out. Like, one of the scenes in Istanbul is just so dark that it doesn't really belong with everything else. And this director, Fatih Akin, um, who hasn't done much since The Edge of Heaven, which came out in like 2007, he hasn't done much since 2007. 
Um, but it's, he just like, he makes some weird choices like, uh, showing Sybil Kakili like cut her wrist and then like giving us like a four second close up of a razor on the floor. Like we saw her, we saw her slit her wrist. We don't, you don't need to show me the razor. I'm, I'm smart. And I know what happened. So just like a few decisions where it's like, let me just have the story. You're, you're overselling part of it. Trust me. Just trust me as your audience. Um, but the emotional content just hits me so hard. I'm bowled over every time. And, uh, you cry? The performances are awesome. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. this guy, Biro, uh, Biro Unil, Biro Unwell. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, but he's just so intense and physical in a way that is never cartoonish. And Sybil Kakili, uh, it's one of my favorite performances of the century. She's so good. It's, uh, it's one of the few films I can convince myself to keep at a five, even when I can see the flaws, because it just it hits me so hard. Mm. Five five. Still in my top 50. Still number 50. Cool. Number 50. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. See, seen a lot of movies. Number fifty on my top fifties, pretty, pretty damn good. What's movie. the name of yes. the director? Fatih Akin. Okay, like I, I, yeah, yeah. I thought I when I saw his name when you posted it, I said I read it as Faith, and I thought it was a woman. Yes. I I read his Faith like for like ten minutes while I was looking at it, <laughs> and I realized it was Fatih, and I was like, I was wondering if you made the same mistake. <laughs> okay, that was my last one. All right. All right, Kevin. Yeah, so this will be my last one too. So I rewatched, I rewatched Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton and Nick Nolte and a couple of big names from the UFC. So it's about Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy are brothers who were at one time MMA fighters, and now and their 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 parents divorced and. One of them stayed with the dad. One of them went with the mom. And so now they both have real reasons to fight again. Like they really they really need the money. And they start training separately. And they end up in this tournament where they're both going to end up fighting each other. And they're having problems with uh, their families. And particularly Nick Nolte, who's their father, who was a drunk. And... All that good stuff, and yeah, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Nolte is the father, right? Yeah, Nick Nolte is the father. Right? Sorry, yeah, and uh, I like, like Nick Nolte. yeah, he's he's good. Uh, the movie itself is just kind of not very well written. That's too bad. Um, like you know, I won't I won't go in too much to like the like MMA aspects of it. Although, like someone out there probably watched the movie and was like, <gasps> what? What do you mean? No, that would never happen. Like, especially you mean like you with the wrestler? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's like, because <laughs> like one of one of the like Joel Edgerton in the in the movie he fights this guy Orlando Bloom. No, oh. uh, Calrissian. I wish <laughs> Orlando Calrissian. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which. I would say no, no, no. We said no more Star Wars. Dance. All right, no. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say Billy D. Williams is actually pretty damn good as Lando Calrissian, like in Empire. In Empire, I mean, there's there's really not. I mean, his performance in Return of the Jedi is there's not much to it, and also in yeah. Rise of Skywalker, yeah, there's nothing to it at all. And 
Nighthawks with Stallone and Rutger Hauer is on Netflix, and I've been meaning to rewatch I that forever. Started Nighthawks. Uh, oh, about, we're gonna about, have to talk about it. I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> I, I started. I started it about a month ago, and I couldn't. I like the first scene put me off so much. <laughs> The first scene put me off so much. I was but like, "But we were supposed I, to go down a Stallone Avenue together. We were gonna rewatch Paradise Alley." And- oh, I'm never gonna watch that. Or a uh, or fist. Fist. <laughs> yeah, fucking fist. <laughs> we should watch Staying Alive while we're at it. He what about Death Race one. 2000? Are you gonna watch I'm Death not. Race 2000? Right. I'm not. I'm not into any of that. All right. I would I'm honestly, out of any of those, I probably would watch Fist before any of other. Actually, okay. Paradise well, Alley. Norman Jewison. So. Paradise Alley is a Walter Hill film, so that's kind of yeah, yeah. that could be good. I don't okay. Know. Anyway, uh, so yeah. What, so what is, what is Jr. doing? What are you doing? You're standing. JR? My chair is uncomfortable. I'm just standing. For oh, a okay, no right. problem. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's, yeah. So the movie could have been written much better. I'm talking like, about the warrior now. Yeah, war, yeah. <laughs> or warrior. Sorry. Yeah, warrior. Warrior could have been written much better. Like, I mean, I, I guess like at the time they were probably just trying to cash in on the UFC like being much more of a thing than it had been for you know however long it had been around. Um, yeah, because like the ending, like um, you know, like like you would like you would assume the two of them as brothers end up in the the final fight, and uh, you know they've got to work out their stuff in the ring. And, but then, but then, like the mat, the match ends, and then the movie ends. And it's like, well, what happened? Because there was like, it's just the, like Rocky, man. Yeah, but like there was, there was, they did stuff it. that there was stuff that was supposed to be going on. Like, like Joel Edgerton was like a high school teacher, and like you know they were gonna repo his house. They uh, didn't Tom anymore. Hardy was well. <laughs> didn't he make the money to not repo? Yeah, his house? he did. But yeah. like, it would have been, it would have been nice to have like. You want to watch him write of, the check? No, but it would have been nice to like know that his family is secure. Have an extended scene at the bank where he writes the check and <laughs> <laughs> cries about it and shit. Oh, what's what's that guy's name? Um, he's he's another you know like another big name actor like Bruce Davison or yeah. uh, Tate or Martin Donovan. Yeah, I said Tate Donovan. Uh, <laughs> which Jeffrey Donovan? Which also, yeah, which also works. Uh, Noah something or other. Noah Hawley. I think so. He was in uh, Little Children. Wait, and he was. No, in... Holly's a writer. Oh, that's right. He is. He wrote Fargo. Okay. Forgot. Yeah. Who's the Noah guy from uh, Vanilla Sky? British actor. Doesn't yeah, matter. Not, what are we? What are we talking him. about right anyway, now? <laughs> there, well, there's a there's a scene where he's in the bank and like he's like arguing with this dude and it's like. You know, I, we did this on your recommendation. He's like, I presented you with the option. Blah blah blah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the whole movie is, you know, sort of, sort of an emotional letdown. It's like, it's like, it could have been, it could have been so much better. So yeah. that's why it's only a three and a half. All right. Well, fair enough. I, uh, this will be my last one. Also, I watched adopt a highway from last year directed by Logan Marshall green, who is, um, you know him from uh, Prometheus. He's in Prometheus. He's one of the guys who gets invitation. possessed. He's in The Invitation. That's correct. Mm. He was in a show that I really enjoyed called Quarry, which was on Cinemax for one season. Huh? And uh, 
by based on novels by Max Allen Collins. Anyways, uh, he directed this film. He was also in. Uh, it makes sense to say he was in uh, Upgrade. He's a star of Upgrade because I'm pretty sure that's how he got to make this movie because this movie is produced by Blumhouse. And uh, it stars Ethan Hawke as a man who's been recently released from prison after serving 21 years for a drug conviction. He had an ounce of marijuana on him. It was a third strike conviction in the 90s, I guess. And uh, he has never done anything in the modern era. So, like, he does not use the Internet. He doesn't have an email address. He is very confused about things, and he's very quiet. And uh, you could tell prison's really fucked with his head a lot and he gets a job working as a dishwasher and one night while he's closing up he finds a abandoned baby in a dumpster and the abandoned baby has a note says her name was ella and he decides he's gonna take her home and take care of her so he takes her to his motel room and for a few days he becomes like her father and he takes care of her the best he knows how he doesn't really know what he's doing and he, uh, but he, you know, he grows very, very fond of her and, uh, for the rest, I don't want to give away what happens, but for the rest of the film, there are some very, uh, heart wrenching events as you could imagine being that that's the story. And, uh, he ends up going on a, on a road trip, which is fun. And it's just a really I this is the other movie I cried at I cried a lot at this movie (laughs) I don't know that it'll have the same effect on other people I I have a daughter so it's like watching him with this little girl is like really some of the stuff that happens a little hard to look at but uh not that it's like disturbing or weird or anything it's just just you know emotionally heart-wrenching so yeah, I really enjoyed it, though. I thought it was excellently done. I think Ethan Hawke's performance was really fucking good, and uh, I would highly recommend it. It's It was 99-cent rental on iTunes oh. uh, when I rented it, but I, that was like two weeks ago when I rented it. I just watched it last night, so mm. or yesterday. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Four and a half out of five. Nice. If yeah. this were from this year, I would it would be on the top of my list right now. Mm. So. It would have been on my list last year if I'd have seen it last year. Right. And uh, that's it. I mean, I watched a couple other things, but they're not very good, so who cares? Yeah. It's like I can, I can tell you about Serve Nazis Must Die if you want me to. <laughs> right. I could talk about American Ultra, but it's Ugh. so generic and forgettable that I doubt I'll remember it two weeks from now. So I remember liking that when I saw it, but if I've watched it now, I don't know. Well, you know, it's... Uh, it's just a tonally bizarre film that should not be it should not be a comedy. It's like not a bad idea for a movie like the setup of it isn't bad. Mm. And it's just like I don't know why they decided to make it into a stoner comedy. And it's like it's not funny. Like there's nothing that happens that's very funny and Topher Grace is so bizarre in his role. I can't Why do they get him to play villains? I don't know, man. I I like Topher Grace. I just don't understand his Yeah. I what he's doing like he's just playing so over the top for comic effect and it's just not funny yeah but you know it's uh had some okay blood and guts here yeah, and there I mean, and yeah. uh i like i like the two leads a lot i love i, I like the eisenberg two leads, and stewart especially but. stewart i will say I, I i don't want i almost don't want to say this but i i, I watched too funny to fail the, the dana carvey show documentary on hulu mm-hmm. and uh you know what by the numbers documentary but i almost like it i haven't laughed so hard 
at us at something in, in anything in like a year. Wow. There is a, they show a promo for home improvement, which was their lead in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it's a real promo from the time. And it's from like a late season episode. I don't know if you've ever watched home improvement, but it's the episode where Randy has cancer, their kid. Mm. It's like a very what? special episode of a cancer episode or whatever. And, the, and, and he only has it for 20 minutes. And no, he has, has. He actually, again? no, he has cancer, but it's, he has a tumor and it ends up being uh, benign. Oh, it's like a thyroid thing. And he ends up having to take a pill for the rest of his life. Uh, but he's like, it's like in the, in the clip, he's like, dad, I don't want to die. And then, and then, and then he's like, he's like, come on, we're going to beat this together. I, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And it's like a very special home improvement. Followed by the Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey show. <laughs> and I was, when it happened, Jesus I just Christ. couldn't. I laughed. I had to pause it. I laughed for so long. My 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 daughter was looking at me, so she didn't realize what I was doing because I was crying, laughing like my tears were coming out. I was like, "No, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay." I was just crying. It was so good. I lost my breath. It was amazing. But uh, yeah, so just for that alone, I recommend too funny to fail but anyways let's move on to our uh deep dive which is kevin's pick uh our i think it's only our second animated deep dive ever yeah and your first one was was your pick also watership down that's right um heavy metal our first episode with jr oh that's okay that's a fun fun tidbit uh (laughs) heavy metal directed by gerald potterton um from 1981 based on Stories from Heavy Metal Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, an American animated film. I guess partially was a Canadian. I think actually, yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, based, based on all those Canadians in it, yeah, yeah, yeah John yeah. Candy, Harold Ramis doing the voices of some of the characters. Yeah, um, Kevin, why? Why now? <laughs> <laughs> it was just on my list of uh, possible deep dives, uh, and also like I wanted to go back and like look at the animation again. Uh, see how good it was. See mm-hmm. if the, see how how good the stories were. Um, I like a lot of the music that's in it. Uh, okay. So yeah, just it just seemed like you like the music that was in it. I like a lot of the music that's okay. in it, but okay. not not all okay. of it. Like okay. uh, like Mob Rules uh, by Black Sabbath. I like okay. Um, and the Blue Oyster Cult song, Veteran the Psychic Wars, and True Companion by Donald Fagan. Those are all good. The rest of them is kind of eh, not really my thing. But, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But I, I expect you know you expect that in a movie called Heavy Metal. Sure. You know. Um. Well, what did what did uh, you'd seen this before? Yes, I have not seen this before. Yeah. Oh uh, no, I take it back. I have seen this before, but it, oh, but okay. when I saw it, I was like, "It's another." I, so many of them this time. I so I really many movies like, that I had like have zero memory. I had mm. one memory. And it was of the woman in the final thing when she was swimming in that pool naked. Right. That's the memory I have. That's all I remember from it. Right, right. So, and then what's weird is that I've been reading back issues of Heavy Metal or the original mm-hmm. Metal Erlon from, uh, you know, the original French uh, thing uh, translated in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, the whole section Den, mm, where yeah. John Candy does the voice of Den, that's uh, Richard Corbin's uh, uh, story, and I I've read a lot of those now. I've read. Oh, I mean, I think okay. I've read like the first ten or fifteen issues of the of the magazine from the late seventies. Mm. And uh, it's it, there's one of those in every single issue. So it was it was interesting to see that animated. 
Cool. But I'll say more about that momentarily. What what did what did uh what did JR I guess we'll start with JR. What did yeah, JR let's start think? with JR. What did you think of this uh of heavy metal? <laughs> well I had two two things. Um it's gonna be a short This review. is the most like time I've ever put into a deep dive because I decided to watch this and Heavy Metal two thousand and the Love and Robots Love Death and Robots thing that started off as a heavy metal reboot. Mm. So I was you know, just over six hours. Um and I took almost two pages of notes, uh, but otherwise, I my second thing is I just don't, I don't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have much to say about this uh, this movie or its sequels or reboots. Um, and I don't I don't even know where to like start on like single you know um, segments or whatever. Uh, I will just, uh, I'll just, yeah, I just, I just want you guys to talk about it. I'll chime in. Cause <laughs> how about, how about this? What, I uh, strong feelings. how about a, f- uh, favorite segment? JR? Oh, uh, I mean, probably Tarna, the last one. Okay. You know, uh, with, with the girl, the last Tarlakian. Yeah. Um, uh, I it- wanted to like B 17 the most, the, the world war two bomber with the zombies. Yeah, mm. uh, I thought I wanted that to be cooler than it was, and it was the only it was the only one that didn't feature like you know silly comedy or someone who's very boobsy. Yeah, um, that's why it sucks. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm just kidding. Maybe I, so. I had the DVD and I watched uh, the special features, which had a cut segment that didn't have finished animation, but it like it would have gone between the uh, lawyer one and the bomber one um you know like after that guy's hand gets uh yeah taken off at the end of the lawyer one and like that mm. lack or lochnar excuse me lochnar is uh falling to the planet in that hand like this uh this cut segment showed or it would have shown basically um you know the evolution of that world under the influence of the lochnar but with uh, no dialogue, and it was uh, it was really cool looking, and mm. it actually like accomplished uh, what the Lochnor orb kept telling us in the uh, in the framing story that it's doing, but never really does. Like Lochnor showing his impressive power, but most of the uh, segments don't actually show his impressive power. They show people defeating his impressive power, or uh, they show nothing, uh, nothing to do with him. But yeah, so uh, this cut segment is really cool. Cool, interesting. I have the Blu-ray. I'm gonna have to see if that's on there. They have uh, the entire. They do have it on there, but it's but it's. I'm not entirely sure that it's by itself. There's a there's a there's a feature length rough cut of the entire film. Mm. So it's like a lot of storyboards and unfinished animation from every yeah. single segment. Oh, okay. and uh, I cool. believe it's in there. But I tried to watch that and decided I didn't. Well, they're out of. They're also out of order in that they're like in a different order. Mm. Like the Harry Canyon uh, one is first in the film, and it's like fourth or fifth in the, in the uh, rough cut for some oh, reason. Okay. But uh, so, Ke- Kevin, your favorite? Uh, I really liked the uh, Harry Canyon one because I really, I really liked the um, like '30s noir kind of feel that it had. Um. And yeah, like that the the scene right before it, where they're the, the guys are working with the uh, bulldozer, has a uh, 
has Blue Oyster Cult, and then it goes into the Donald Fagan song mm. into the Harry Canyon one. And yeah, like, like, and I, I loved the whole thing with the cab. Like he, like he flips up the, uh, the gas and like has a beam that'll kill the, the fare in the yeah. back. And like, and he just opens up his glove box and is just full of guns. <laughs> I thought that I really enjoyed that. I also like the Harry Canyon segment. Uh, it remind the story of it. I think Dan O'Bannon wrote that one. I think so, probably. It reminded me the most of a of a Mobius uh, story mm. in heavy metal, but uh, but I think that I I actually like the World War Two one the most. I think it looks the best personally. I like the animation in it the most, and uh, I don't the the conceit of it. I don't I don't I don't find the stories in any of them to be terribly interesting. But um, there there are. I don't know. There, there isn't much story. In right. Any of yeah, them. yeah. I just mean like the plot. I guess you know the what happens is not terribly like I would. In fact, watching it, I was kind of shocked at how. Um, I don't want to say uninteresting. That sounds too mean. It's it's like I was shocked at how how unclever a lot of it was. Like because when I read heavy metal, like that's what I get from. It's just like it's very clever. Like the writing mm-hmm. is incredibly clever. Like the. Uh, all the different, I mean, uh, and I think that comes from the fact that the, there's very few people working on this film that have anything to do with the magazine, you know, like, mm. uh, like Mobius is not involved or he's not credited as being involved, even though a lot of the, in the last one, the Tarna one, the yeah. drawings look very, like, it looks like he drew the backgrounds. I'm not sure if he did or not, but, um, and then like, just like, I mean, there's so many people, there's so many different like Philippe uh, Drouillet, like he's one of the founding members of Metal Erlon and like he's a genius writer and artist also and he's not having anything to do with this and it's just like it feels like if you had taken instead of just taking like influence from these stories like if you actually got these people to be involved in the writing of it mm. and if they hadn't have I read that they subbed all the all the animation out to different studios to, to expedite it to get it done quicker right and it's like it really shows like most of the animation is pretty poor I think I would say I mean some of it looks kind of interesting, but like the, especially the one, um, the uh, Bernie Wrightson one, uh, the the trial, the oh, guy yeah, who's like yeah. a rapist or whatever, like that one yeah. is just that animation put me off so hard. Like, and it's not even the, it's not even the animation's like not great, but just the drawing style of it, I didn't love. Yeah, that's the most cartoony. Yeah, out just, of out of the whole movie, I was not fond of it. But that one actually is the most, I would say, the most similar to the kind of. Um, biting satirical kind of edge that the magazine has because because of the fact that the main character is such a like scummy you know yeah. he's like a murderer and a rapist and, like it's yeah, just, yeah. that's pretty intense like they wouldn't that's the kind of thing that they would get into in the magazine more but yeah I think uh, overall I mean I I mean just as far as overall impressions I just wasn't I wasn't super happy with it I wish I would have liked it more but I, I think that like I say I think the thing is they spent more time with it spend more time on it and not focus so much. It feels like the musical choices, for instance, and the comedy that's injected into it. Not that there's not comedy and heavy metal. There is like, it's almost like a mad magazine kind of thing outside of some of the stories. Like the stories are their artists voices, you know, like, so Mobius can be funny, but like a lot of his stuff is just clever and strange and surreal and, you Mm. know, sci-fi or whatever. But it's like, there's so much more comedy injected into this 
it feels like. And even like the Din storyline, like Din, <laughs> like Din is a goofy idea, and it does start in the in the in the magazine. It starts the same way. There's a kid, and he turns into Din in the alternate universe. And hmm. but it's like once he gets to the alternate universe, it's not funny anymore. And he's not like narrating it as the kid still. And you know, he's like <laughs> he becomes this warrior, and he you know is going around uh, experiencing this other world and trying to rescue the women and whatever betting them obviously <clears throat> but um obviously yeah of yeah. course but i mean that therein lies another another issue i had with the film was just that the i mean this and of course of course this is all just like these are you could call these nitpicks because they're based on me having i'm like a fan of the of the magazine i'm a fan of the the artwork especially and the writing <clears throat> and it doesn't translate like the din comic is a beautiful comic and i don't even mm. love the story of din like i don't think the writing in din is that great but the artwork is insane like it's all airbrushed and it looks really bizarre and it's like weirdly realistic and unlike john candy's version of din who wouldn't walk around with his dork hanging out <laughs> uh din is entirely <laughs> nude the the every every panel he's nude you know and he's, oh, he's okay. got this giant cock that's hanging out so I, <laughs> and he's hairless you know mm. and I don't I mean and that's just you know I don't that's just European sensibilities I suppose but um, versus American you know ratings yeah, yeah, you yeah. know censorship but the animation you know looks quick and it looks cheap and they don't try to achieve the look of this of the of the comic they're just kind of you know, draw this character that sort of looks like the character, but you know, doesn't have the same artistic value, I guess. So that's a, it's a bit of a, it was a bit of a bummer. And then the musical choices seem like they feel like fan service to me. They feel like we're making this movie for a very specific audience, teenagers who wear denim jackets, who read heavy metal, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. and it's what many, and I don't know if you guys saw, I, I, I watched heavy metal parking lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's what this movie made me watch that. <coughs> I was thinking to myself, Every time one of those songs came on, I was like, these are the people they want to be watching this film. Are these guys from Heavy Metal Parking Lot? Which I'd never even seen, but I was just like, I just know it. It's just these hair metal guys. People are into Judas Priest. They want those guys to be watching the movie (laughs) Heavy Metal. I like Judas Priest. (laughs) That's fine. No, it's not fine, actually. It's unforgivable. But (laughs) but, uh, you like a lot of weird metal bullshit. Uh, I do. That's true. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, it's just those kinds of... You know, it feels like to me, heavy metal, the magazine is filled with stories that are like high art to me, you Mm. know, like, like that are higher than any, like the highest bar for comic storytelling. And (laughs) this is not representative of that at all. Right, right. So it's a bit of a bummer, you know, but I didn't absolutely hate it either. I wasn't like, God, I wish this shit would just fucking end, (laughs) You you know, but I don't know. I've I've talked a lot. <laughs> is the is the Lochnar thing in the magazine? I'm sure there is, is a I, I I would imagine that there's something similar to it in in some of the mm. some story, but it's not an overarching thing. Like the stories aren't related in the magazine. It's just yeah, it's like a literary journal for comic artists for European comic artists, and it becomes okay. more Americanized when they come to America, <clears throat> and they uh, they start allowing American artists and writers in. You know, it becomes like Harlan Ellison writes a story in one of the early uh, issues. Mm. Like it becomes a more like I, I'm I'm scared to see what it becomes in like you know 1995 or something. I'm I'm reading issues from like 1979, 1980. So it's still very very purely French Belgian 
Italians, mm. some Italians, uh, you know, okay. a lot of, uh, a lot of your, Euro- just pure European sensibility right now, which is great. Uh, okay. Well, I, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think the framing story should go. I just don't see a, a purpose for it. Um, and, and just the, the need to tie everything into this like Lochnar thing within the individual stories, I just thought was uh, kind of silly and kind of hurt it. Like, the the silly one where they they pick up the the doctor and accidentally pick up his secretary too, like why <laughs> so why is Lockner in that? <laughs> um, yeah, that was, I agree. You know, I, 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 silliness. I'd be yeah. I'd be hard pressed to tell you how Lockner fits into most of them. I don't think it does. Like I think I think it. Was, I can tell you. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I was just like, I was thinking about it now. And I'm like, yeah. I, I remember like I in, in, in Harry Canyon, they have, it's like a, they think it's like an ancient relic and they're showing it at a yeah, museum yeah, or something. Yeah. But like, yeah. honestly, I can't like think of most of them. I don't feel like have, I mean, I know they do, but I just can't remember what the connection is at all. Yeah. That's, that's probably like if, if the rest of the stories had elements like that, where it was like, you know, more of an integral part to the story then it would have, t- you know, would have tied things together a little better. But I mean, yeah, I'm guessing they just had it there to like, you know, as just something to tie everything together. Yeah. yeah I mean, obviously it's an anthology <clears throat> film like the, it's going to be rare. I would imagine that they're going to make a, a film like this mm. and not have a framing narrative. Right. <clears throat> yeah, probably right. But I, uh, yeah, I felt similarly to you, but without the to John, but without the perspective of having read heavy metal, I've never read heavy metal. But I, mm. uh, I, I really liked the uh, the mob rules needle drop in uh, in the last one in Tarna. Uh, I thought Tarna looked the coolest, as I said, and it's like the the part where she's flying around on the uh, back of the bird, and you do see all those backgrounds. That's I thought it was the coolest looking uh, scene in the movie, even yeah. though like that. With within the segment, I was like, I don't know why they felt this one needed to be thirty minutes long, even though there's definitely not story for thirty minutes. Yeah, um, I wrote like when she's in the pool and putting on her warrior clothes, I was like, she just got a call of distress. Why is she taking so damn long and so sensually putting on these clothes? Um, what what little clothes they were. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just I don't know. I thought the way that they did. Um, the comedy and the boobs in this was just you usually like juvenile wish fulfillment. Like in, in Harry Canyon, the way that she just like busts in his room and takes his, her clothes off and jumps in bed. Uh, the way that Den remarks on like <laughs> getting to that land and immediately like sleeping with that woman. Uh, just like two times in one day. I just, <laughs> I thought it was yeah. so, so lame for the most part. Um, you know, same with John Candy and the the robot sex, but uh, yeah, I I just I didn't enjoy it. I I enjoyed it so little that I immediately put on Heavy Metal 2000 and mm. then the reboot series uh, just to see if they were better. Um, Heavy Metal 2000 is not better; it's much worse. Don't ever watch Heavy Metal 2000. I won't. You were giving a shit though. You were telling us we're not we're oh, not real yeah, fans. I, I wanted you to suffer with me. 
<laughs> oh, right, right. I right. looked at, I honestly, yes. I, I would have watched it, but I looked at the, uh, I just looked at stills from, and I was like, this, I know this doesn't look good. This looks oh. like shit. <laughs> it's like, it's like 90s UPN, uh, like cell animation, <laughs> mixed with like reboot era CGI. Oh, it is reboot. ugly and disgusting <laughs> as hell. No, like, I'm not saying that those 90s UPN shows look bad. I'm not saying that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, don't you bad. talk about reboot. Reboots. But like the there's it's like an un, unholy marriage of the two. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, uh, Sounds it's right. Disgusting. Sounds right it's for the year two thousand. One yeah. story over ninety minutes. What? But, feels, Ew. but it also feels like kind of like the Tarna story. Like they mm. had fifteen minutes of plot and just made it ninety minutes. It's a it's a disaster. Well, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Um. What about uh, Love, Death, and Robots? Oh, yeah. How's that? Uh, Love, Death, and Robots, um, it would have been much better if half of the shorts, there's 18 shorts, uh, and it's much more like what, John, what you were describing, like where, you know, they're clever stories, clever stories between 7 and 15 minutes long. Um, and sometimes the clever stories are, are interesting and sometimes they're not, but uh, a lot of them are animated like modern video games so like they look like cutscenes of video games and i i don't find that to be a very appealing animation mm. style going like as realistic as possible uh and you know a bunch of those are also doing like boobsy things and so there's just like an uncanny valley effect um but some of the ones that go uh, more traditional or silly unrealistic with the animation are really cool looking and the stories like there are stories adapted from john scalzi a pretty good writer. Uh, there's one story adapted from Ken Liu, which is, it's, it's one of my favorite stories by Ken Liu. I love Ken Liu. He's great. If you're ever reading, uh, some sci-fi, ever want to read some sci-fi, read some Ken Liu stories. Um, but you know, I, I think the, they were starting from a, uh, a place of like, we want to find good stories to adapt, which helped even if some of them are look shitty. Hmm. Apparently, according to the Wikipedia page for Heavy Metal 2000, uh, Robert Rodriguez claims that he purchased the rights to Heavy Metal in 2011, and he wants to make it into a show on his El Rey network. Yeah, but I think that's what ended up being uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, is that right? Is he involved in in that as well? I don't know. I I thought Love, Death, and Robots was Fincher and Tim Miller from Deadpool. Well, it says says here also... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think before that it was Rodriguez and like uh like Fincher and like um James Cameron was gonna do a segment. Yeah, and, like, it's probably James. They were gonna have like a, a lot of lot of like bigger names. According to this also it says that in the year two thousand eight and into two thousand nine there were reports that Fincher and James Cameron would executive produce each direct one of the eight to nine segments for a new film based on heavy metal and that Eastman of Eastman and Laird Mm. Uh, the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would also direct a segment as well as animator Tim Miller with Zack Snyder, Gore Verbinski, Guillermo del Toro attached to direct segments. Mm. Uh, however, Paramount decided to stop funding in 09. So that's probably what melted into Love and Robot. They probably had that all worked out. Mm. And then okay. Rodriguez maybe bought the rights to Heavy Metal, which is why they couldn't make maybe they couldn't make it Heavy Metal anymore because he bought the rights to Heavy Metal. Maybe. And they decided to just turn it into that. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, so uh, 
interesting history. Uh, Kevin, positive things to say about this film? You obviously ha- have some fondness for this film. Out, I mean, outside of the music, maybe, or just yeah. I mean, I I, I think uh, I mean, I wouldn't say the animation is the greatest I've ever seen, but I I like it. Like after watching a bunch of Disney movies lately, mm-hmm. like seeing some different animation is very refreshing. Sure, um, that's fine. Yeah, and yeah, it was. I thought it was enjoyable. Hmm. Um, and yeah, like uh, like uh, the Blue Oyster Cult song was co-written with uh, Michael Moorcock, who does does a lot of I like do. fantasy yes. and sci-fi and like uh, Elric of Mel Melnibone, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay, uh, I've never known how to pronounce that, but I love those. I love that series. Yeah, uh, El- Elric is These are books? very good. Yeah, it's uh, okay. sword and sorcery uh-huh. kind of stuff. Like uh, Elric is kind of like the antithesis of a lot of like heroes because like he's very fra- he's sort of frail. He's an albino, and like his sword, his magic sword, like eats souls, and that's how it gets its power. And he is he then is kind of powered by these souls of people that are killed. Um, like Zodiac. Yeah. Zodiac says the souls of his victims will be his slaves in eternity. Right. You know, like Shang Tsung, and too. A little darker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say Moorcock in general is like the antithesis of, of Tolkien. Very. Uh, yes, yes. Very mm. direct writing, not wordy with the, the details, and uh, very much into the darkness of his fantasy worlds. Yeah. Cool. I'll uh, make sure to never check him out because fantasy is garbage. Go ahead. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Our fan. <laughs> uh, you never know. Our fan might like fantasy. You know? Right. 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 I'm gonna turn him off here. Right. Definitely a him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's a three out of five. Like I. Okay. I. Yeah, fair I enough. Would, I would say it's enjoyable. That's I not don't... a that's not a, uh, an obscene rating, you know. Like if you right. gave it a five, I have to give you shit about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because wa- watching it nostalgia. watching it again this time, I was like, eh, you know, some of this is not as great or, yeah. it's or just engaging. Suffer- it suffers what all anthology films suffer, which is that you mm. know you're gonna have segments that are less interesting than others. And... Yeah, yeah, and and like definitely like it. It saddens me to hear that this is the you know dumbed down, ver- dumbed down Americanized version of something that's actually really great. Oh yeah, check out. You should sincerely check out. Where are uh, you? Where are you reading them? I got them from the internet. I'd rather not. Oh, say. you bo- you borrowed them from a friend. <laughs> sure, yeah, right. sure. I'll tell you. And you'll after. give them. I'll back. tell you off air how I got them. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, um, they're on my iPad. If wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a one and a half. JR? Yeah, sounds about right. That was, uh, that was my rating also. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's uh, heavy metal for you. Next week, or next time, rather, uh, we're going to be talking my pick. And I'll tell you, I'm all over the place with this one, but I think I've settled on something, which is something that neither of you have logged. Oh. Uh, is it a punishment? Since no, no, we no, gave no. You two movies you didn't like in a row. No, no, no. I I rarely like the movies you guys pick. I <laughs> no. I this is a good, this is a movie I like a lot actually. It's called Mad Dog and Glory. It's uh, directed by John McNaughton. It stars Robert De Niro and Bill Murray and Uma Thurman. And uh, I have to, I have seen this, but I'm that's fine. I'm, I'm 
looking forward to rewatching it. JR has not logged it. Let's see. JR has a puzzled look on his face. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Mad is. Dog and Glory mm. from 1993 from director John McNaughton. And I'll and I all, I will say now that I'll also be rewatching Normal Life, which is another John McNaughton film um, from the 90s that stars the late Luke Perry as a mm. bank robber. This is so. the person who made Wild Things. Sure, sure. And uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. So, oh, which I may also watch. I've never actually seen it. So, I've never I, seen Wild Things either. I might watch that too. Maybe just make it a McNaughton week. <laughs> yeah, I I remember I watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and I remember thinking like this doesn't look like a lot of serial killer movies that I've seen. Like, there's yeah. Oh, I, I, I won't spoil it for oh, you. Yeah, you know, definitely. You can, uh, you I can might. Go in fresh. I may check it out. So. uh have to find time when I'm not with my daughter because I don't want her to look at that. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, we'll be watching Mad Dog and Glory for next time. Until then, uh, write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website, filmyak.podient.co. Thank you for listening. Wherever and however you're listening, keep it up. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. It would mean a lot. Well, that part's a bit dramatic. JR memorized this trailer. He loves this shit. He's so excited.